Get Enough of Keanu, the internet's premier Keanu Reeves podcast, in which we explore the filmography of that great, ageless, enigmatic Canadian actor, movie by movie. I'm Patrick Willems. I'm Jacob Torpy. And I'm Matthew Torpy. Guys, I still have not memorized the intro. Broadcasters. Uh, I'm still reading that intro off of my computer. You don't need to say it's this. It's a long you know, intro. Can, this is audio magic. It. People don't need to know the, how the sausage gets made. Look, I, I, I'm an honest guy. I want... You know, I want to open up to our listeners. You know, this is a bit of a confessional. It's like, because <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I seem like a, a really cool like professional podcaster who could do this right. in his sleep. Who's just like, you know, like I can rattle off ad reads. We've never done an ad read because no one sponsors us. <laughs> uh, you know, I can I can rattle off the uh, the end credits to the show. I have all my thoughts worked out ahead of time, all my takes prepared. Nice. Yeah. But I don't even have the intro memorized. I know. That's right. We, and but isn't that endearing, audience? That yeah. we would say don't such you a like, thing. We're just yeah. like Pat Moore now. I'm just I really, like you. I see this show as a, also a confessional booth. And you guys are both priests. Nice. And I'll say anything. I'll take that role on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Four Hail Marys. Uh, Matt, anything you want to confess? Uh... Hey, when was the last time any of you went to confession? Uh, oh, hey, bro, I was never even, I never even uh, got my confirmation. Oh, our first didn't? communion. I don't yeah. even know the order of those. I was baptized. Communion, then that confirmation. Confirmation is yeah. like the... You That's get, the cap You on get it. wedded to Christ at did, that point. Did not do yeah. either. The only reason I was baptized was because my grandmother from Ireland would have been sad if I right. wasn't. So my parents were like, okay, we'll do that. And then we are done with the church. That's okay. okay. You you're, not, f- you're not bound for hell now. Yeah, right? it's the first sacrament. Yeah. yeah, you're washed of your original sin. That's good. That, right. that okay? That's what it means. Yeah, yeah. I, to get baptized. I know so little about Christianity and Catholicism and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a surprise. How, how really. uh, you know? Have you accepted Christ as your savior? Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about about this? Are we going to alienate our audience? Uh, potential <laughs> Christian view. You're listeners? the one who loves honesty. Ah, yeah. I just said. So, do you want to be let's a get into it. Let's talk about yeah. our religious beliefs. Like, yeah, on our podcast right now, we're supposed to be anyway. talking about Toy Story Four. Let's talk about what we confessed last to. But a hey, priest. listen, Toy Story invites this kind of meditation. It really does. <laughs> it does. It's so sad and so dark. All of the but also that. But it is about people like reckoning with their existence. The it is about immortal beings who basically yeah. have a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the god is the human who owns them. Is not even yeah. just like an omnipotent sort of mental construct to cope with infinity and like the limits of our, our mind's ability to grasp things, but is in fact a child. Yeah. The most, which is the worst kind of God to have. Yeah. It's like very Greek mythology, you know, the yeah. temperamental yeah. A fickle, gods. petulant sort of, I mean, it's like the, uh, God. I, I mean, right. Honestly, I, I know there have been religious readings of the toy story movies before, <laughs> but you look at the first movie and you have the benevolent God, Andy, and you have the, the cool god, Sid. The yeah. trickster god, Sid. Yeah. Ooh. You have the mechanized meta god, the claw. <laughs> like, you know, the clockmaker god. Oh, shit. And that's technology. 
and people yeah, worshiping that's stuff that the their gods made, which is also a potential reality for us. Yeah, you especially ha- if we live in a simulation. You've, that's true. There you go. You've got the scene in Toy Story three when uh, when they go to the daycare. Yes, and the the demigods, the little toddlers, mm-hmm. just like come in and trash them. Yeah. And you no also have respect for their creations. You also have the various reactions to the idea of a god. But imagine we could actually see and confirm its existence, where some reject it, some desperately seek to gain its its love and affection, some are unchoosy about which god they are in like take controlled by. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. And your they, rejection or acceptance of the gods that you have available and. Uh, um, Massive spoilers for Toy Story 4. Uh, this is a movie about basically ex- learning that you can exist without a god. I'm curious in to... One, in one interpretation, yeah. Yeah, no, no, not that you should, but you can. It's yeah. an option. It's possible. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm curious because, you know, Pat, you've recently watched in preparation all the Toy Stories. I revisited them all. I had a very... Matt, you were out of town. Yeah. I had a real emotional weekend yeah. where I did one a night. I bet. And it turned Man. into su- Sunday night, just me sitting on the couch alone, just like sobbing at Dude, the all- end of Toy Story 3. Well, Those I saw it yesterday. I was just in an empty theater and I was definitely like... <laughs> I was like pissed that I was like crying. Yeah. Because it was this like... Is four. This is Toy Story 4. Yeah, but I texted you about it. I was just like, the yeah. fucking, the, the, the toy movie for babies made me cry. Again. Again. Pixar. Yeah. Making me cry about cute dinosaurs. Yeah. Me so, cry. listeners, obviously this is our episode about Toy Story 4. Yeah. Uh, mm. Maybe an unexpected film for this podcast, but look, this is the year of Keanu. We didn't choose it. Yeah, and he got ha- shoehorned into it. It just so happens that with everything he's doing... You know, he, he's got the uh, the third and biggest installment uh, of his franchise. Uh, you know, he's he's got like a hit Netflix movie. He's just mm-hmm. tearing it up on his like press tours and like becoming, you know, more and more of a meme, uh, <laughs> you know, every day that passes on Twitter. And then, oops, it turns out he's also in the biggest animated film of the year. Right. Yeah. Coming up and then soon to be in other mediums, including... Pump for this one, Cyberpunk 2077. So <laughs> glad to cool. be able to just game at, with, with a, any semblance of a reason <laughs> other than to escape and burn time. Uh, 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 Matt, I, I don't know how you do your taxes because you actually have like a salary job. Yeah. Where's this going? Cyberpunk. <laughs> so, when you buy Cyberpunk, it will be a tax write-off. Fuck yes, dude. Because that game's going to be expensive. This is, this is why, Should uh, we pre-order it then as a business expense right now? Yeah. yeah, not right now, but after the show. Totally, totally. Uh, <laughs> okay. If, if you want to help us pay for that, uh, to our pa- <laughs> patreoncom slash Uh That supports the channel and the podcast. But uh, but no, honestly, like that's here's okay. Here's just me like revealing tax information about myself. But like, I uh, you know, uh, my routing number is <laughs> exactly. Uh, my but, social like, security. Me, uh, like I buy a lot of Blu-rays. All tax write-offs. Me going to the movies. Like, oh uh, yeah. Like uh, like Netflix subscriptions, tax write-offs. Yeah, because I, they're all like research or like creative materials. Most yeah. people I know who are self-employed creative people can basically argue almost all their living expenses as business expenses. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, you know, you just you just get away with as much as you fucking can. I mean, the tax system is crazy. Yeah, just, just go for it. Yeah, and uh, and look, and here's the thing: uh, don't don't like. You know, envy me because every April I just get hammered by yeah, the just IRS. Fucked by the IRS. Yeah. Pat <laughs> doesn't have money. This much I know. Right. It's just uh, gotta yeah. shake you down for rent every month, buddy. I will say I have actually 
Why? I'm just talking about my income. Let's change the subject. Pat's talking about tax write-offs. He's honing on on saying a number. It's the number that he makes each year, and he grows and he grows like a big old ear of corn. This is a good podcast. So we're talking about Toy Story 4. Uh, Glad I stuck the landing on that one. (laughs) uh, The fourth film in the Toy Story series released 24 years after the original installment. Holy moly. Uh, It's a film directed by Josh Cooley. uh, And it it is, uh, it it has, okay, we'll get into this. Uh, The story credit on this movie, there are so many writers Co- with co-story credit. With the story credit, not the story. screenplay. Screenplay, it's two people. Two people, yeah. Because the development process for this movie took a long time. Really? How long would you say? Uh, I'm trying to look at the exact date, but I... Was this supposed to come out the year after it, Toy Story, Toy Story 3? 4? No, no, no. <laughs> That'd be wild. No. Okay. Uh, the, Toy Story 4, I'm on Wikipedia right now. Yeah. It was officially announced in 2014. Damn, dude. Okay. So the year after Toy Story 3? No, Toy Story 3 was 2010. 2010. It was that long ago? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one was 95. Uh, time's accelerating. Two yeah, was 99. <laughs> it's telescoping Three was 2010. In. Fuck, yeah. dude. All right. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was announced a while ago. And I remember when it was announced, I was like, uh, no, guys, uh, it ended yeah. so well. You're pushing your luck. Why do we need another one? Yeah. And then what kept happening was they would uh, they would hire writers and then eventually, like, 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 initially, the first writers were Rashida Jones and Will McCormick. Now, how do you think Rashida Jones got lumped into the Pixar's, you know, because, screenwriter? Because um, they had written the movie Celeste and Jesse Forever. Okay. The and movie then, with Rashida Jones and Andy Samberg. And what, like, last right. time we saw that? A movie we'll all attention? remember fondly. I definitely remember <laughs> right I now. I haven't seen, but was like... It was like a, a like a well-reviewed indie film, yeah. Right, and uh, and it was based, and they were like a writing team, and they were it, they were an unexpected choice, and uh, and they eventually left because what we've got to get into, inevitably, do we? Is the John Lasseter situation? <laughs> yeah, I'm Damn. pumped about this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait to talk about this. Guy. Uh, so uh, John Lasseter, one of the founders of Pixar, uh, he hugs funny. <laughs> the, <laughs> the credited director of Toy Stories one and two, uh, who still has co-story credit on four. Yeah. Um, it was I, I I don't have the exact date, but uh, it came out that he had kind of. Uh, I guess been con- largely contributing to uh, an environment of uh, harassment yeah. and uh, and uh, at Pixar, uh, mostly just caused by him, and that had been preventing female employees from advancing through yeah. the ranks, uh, which is and. Anyway, eventually he was sort of moved out. Is this a legend though, or what are his crimes? Uh, it, 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 Say them. It wasn't like Weinstein level. Right. No, it was similar in that it was one man and the company built like a system of, you know, uh, turning a blind eye. All exactly. He his was behavior. known for like less severe like, the behavior doing itself. Long but... creepy hugs to every woman he yeah. encountered, and it became a thing where pe- like women would know to just like you know have a buffer there if I have to meet with John and stuff like that. What and, are like? What are like? Can you imagine if your hugs became that notorious that people had to like create physical buffers between like their stomachs? I'm trying and stuff? to think of like <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Yeah, what could like ha- what kind of hug, like how 
How long were the hugs? Because yeah. this is like this is, is obviously it like a, a man... Donald Trump handshake. Okay, he... I, guys, I, it's okay. Is I, he getting I... off on the fact that he's riding this fine line between between, or like he thinks he's like trying to play with the notion of inappropriateness yeah. or something? It's just such a bizarre like passive. Not passive. I don't know. Okay, it uh, is kind guys, of passive. Though, can in I, weird I way. read you the yeah. exact stuff, please? So this is uh, the article in 2017, the Hollywood Reporter, about uh, the, the headline is John Lasseter's pattern of alleged misconduct detailed by by Disney Pixar insiders. Mm. And there's a quote okay. from Rashida Jones about leaving the project. Oh wow! Uh, and she says, "We did not leave Pixar because of unwanted advances. That is untrue. That said, we are happy to see people speaking out about behavior that made them uncomfortable. We parted ways because of creative and more importantly philosophical differences." Differences. Uh, she says, uh, well, describes Pixar as a culture where women and people of color do not have an equal creative voice. Uh, we encourage Pixar to be leaders in bolstering, hiring, and promoting more diverse and female storytellers and leaders. And then and you've got examples like how like Brenda Chapman was hired to write and direct Brave right. uh, as like the first female director at Pixar and then was eventually like fired from the project. Like the movie got pulled from her, right? But she still wrote the screenplay as she, well? Uh, I, I think ended up with like co-writing credits. Yeah. But it, it just became a thing. And like, you know, you can, there's like, a, it's been widely reported just that, you know, Lassiter, while a oh, oh oh yeah, there's stuff here. I'm looking through the article. Uh, one longtime Pixar employee says Lassiter, who is well known for hugging employees and others in the entertainment community, was also known by insiders for quote grabbing, kissing, making comments about physical attributes. Uh, multiple sources say Lassiter is known to drink heavily at company social events, at <laughs> premiere parties, um, and it, it, it the ratatouille it, <laughs> after party. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things oh, where, yeah. yeah, this was a a thing where like this there was just this unhealthy culture for a long time, and eventually, uh, it, it was a weird thing where like it was announced that Laster would be stepping down, and then it, I think it was like six months until he actually left. Right. And, what was uh, that about? Do you I think? Don't, I don't. I mean, again, you know, Pixar it takes forever to extract someone that probably like Pixar was this yeah, boys that club that was founded so long ago, and uh, and and it, it, like there's plenty of times where like Brad Bird has been asked about it, and he tends to give these kind of wishy washy answers because <laughs> he's like and uh, John is like a, a, he's been a friend of mine since college, and yeah, uh, yeah I guess there was. I don't know stuff what he looks. What does John Lasseter look? Not that this is relevant. He but looks like he a look bland like? white dude. Let me see if I can pick. But remember when he used to do the intros to the Studio Ghibli DVDs? Where because he, oh man, that's yeah. Oh shit! He always wore Hawaiian shirts, glasses. <laughs> he just looks like kind of like a nice gentleman. Yeah, but so did Pro Jared. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, are you kidding me? They showed Matt Wait, a picture of John Lasseter. Well, there's like the Wait, great it, first photo is like him smiling. Like it's literally, fucking, is that the really unflattering yeah, one? Yeah, he's just like beat red and has oh, a big oh, Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. yeah, now I get it. Uh, yeah. Sort of more. So what, <laughs> I can feel his physical presence more now that I've seen him. Like if he gave you a big, sort of mildly damp hug, and you like are kind of like I yeah, and oh, holds on for nightmare. too long. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Well, isn't this the so isn't this the first like Pixar movie then with a uh, with like a, a larger portion of uh, you know like female writers involved? Yeah, I mean and the, animators the, even the, like post Lassender movie like kind of. This uh, isn't the first post Lassender movie right because like, he was right. out by 2017 well, also these movies take so long to make but this yeah. movie has two credited writers uh andrew stanton mm-hmm. who's of course one of the original pixar guys right uh who i think also co-wrote the first toy story and uh but like you know he made like finding nemo he had wally uh he's one of the like the original pixar guys and yeah. uh, and stephanie Folsom, who is a newer writer who was uh 
uh, who was brought in. And it's like, she has almost no credits and they have final screenplay credit. And yeah, and this is, uh, obviously this was being developed, um, uh, you know, while Lasseter was still there. And uh, again, he does have co-story credit along. Okay, can I read the story? He's top build for story. I mean, that's just IMDb. I'm not sure he, I don't think he actually did in the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it's uh, Lasseter, Stanton, Josh Cooley, the director, uh, Valerie Lapointe, Rashida Jones, Will McCormick, Martin Hines, and Stephanie Folsom. Mm. And a lot of these are like writing teams. Yeah, right. Uh, Dynamic duos. Exactly. I always found that interesting too. The, the like, that, cause that was normally a comedy thing. Like you, you get your like teammate, your like friend who also helps you and you too specifically write movies and screenplays. But yeah. like, it wasn't it like wildly, widely comedy stuff for a long time. I don't know, like these writing partner things. I don't, it seems strange. I mean, writing, like writing partnerships, I feel like they're just in everything they've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, but usually, I mean, Pixar writing credits are always are are often odd. You'll have things like Brad Bird doing like solo writing on a right. film, but then often it's like because it's so collaborative there, and the development process is so long. You often have like a lot of writers credited. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that the fact that people always forget that I, you know, I, I always find crazy, is uh, Joss Whedon co-wrote the first Toy Story. How did I he get involved in that? I guess that. they just saw Buffy. Uh, what was going no, on? No, Buffy wasn't even out yet. No, um, no it, it was, well, I mean, uh, we didn't, I mean, he, there was the Buffy movie that he wrote, but he was a guy who was, uh, who worked on so many screenplays that would be uncredited on them through the nineties. Oh, gotcha. And so it, it's things like, we'll probably get into this when we cover this movie, but, uh, it's been, you know, it, it's a generally understood belief that he, you know, wrote a lot, is one of the main writers on speed. Interesting. <laughs> okay. And so he was like one of the big script doctors for a long time. I guess it's normally because, like, if you're a script doctor, like, uh, it's different. His, you know, his Musk isn't on this as much in, this, <laughs> in, in the form of, like, you know, the, the dialogue he's known for writing and things like that. Right. I, and I, yeah. I, I've heard things that people say, like, I think, like, that it was Whedon who, had, who came up with the concept of, like, Buzz not knowing he's a toy. And I, wow, wow and that's like the crux of the whole movie. In, that's the, yeah. how the plot works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, but again, I, 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 that could be wrong. I like how Buzz is still kind of like a moron. They, all four movies. <laughs> yeah, he's never really like gained a further under. Like he, if he got too smart, then I feel like it would the dynamic would clash too much with Woody because Woody is the leader. Yeah, no, it's not like I, I need him to be radically different. It was just funny to me, like in four. He is essentially a noble doofus. <laughs> right. Who, yeah. like, accidentally helps, I guess. But I, it was noticeable, like, Buzz is de-emphasized pretty inten- intensely in this fourth movie. I mean, I just think there wasn't matter. room for him. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. It was A just lot like, of the original cast are. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, it, it's like, in, in the third one, a lot of Buzz is, is like, the storyline where... Uh, he gets like his factory settings reset. And then he <laughs> speaks Spanish. And it will, well, first he is just the like original default Buzz again, uh, like like straight out of the box, who doesn't know he's a toy. And then he becomes the Spanish version, Spanish <laughs> yeah, Buzz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I uh, and I mean, it's really like I feel like after the first one, like the second one gives him a really like full story. 
because that's the thing where he encounters the other, like another Buzz, who's like the old him. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, like uh, how much he's grown since then as he like has to deal with like kept being annoyed by like, oh, like, like this is how I used to be. Like, oh my God, dude, shut up. You're a toy. What is it about um, the packaged Buzz Lightyears that they don't understand their toys, whereas like so yeah. many other toys seem to just know right away as soon as they're made? That they're meant to be, uh, but this is some a child's play thing. I think we have to like the problem is they had to follow through with this decision that apparently Joss Whedon made uh, <laughs> in the nineties. Where now, <laughs> yeah, where they're like, well, they all know their toys, and then Joss Whedon was like, you only get the. He's probably it's like you only get his lisp or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, you only get the like uh, the, the, the 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 critical friction we need to like move the plot along. If he's what if he doesn't know he's a toy, and then they're all like, all right, yeah, I guess that works. You need to have a child's name on the bottom sole they, of their foot. But then four movies in, you're like, that. how the fuck does this? lore work. I mean, in Toy Story 2, uh, Zerg also doesn't know he's a toy. And oh, so yeah. it's almost like all all the uh, the Buzz Lightyear toys. And maybe, and I guess what you can say there is like, those are like the most advanced toys. Yeah, they lost some of that special magic of being like hand-carved like a cowboy doll from the 50s, <laughs> such as right. Woody or but a so, slinky dog. Yeah. So, guys, we should actually probably back up uh, now that we're 20 minutes into this back episode. Uh, what is, what's everyone's relationship with the Toy Story series? Oh, Since this boy. is a series that has basically, like, it's aged with us. You know, you could also call this franchise Boy Story. <laughs> the story of me. From a young boy. Okay, Boy Story starring Jake Torpy. Yeah. Uh, let Richard, me tell you Richard a boy Linklater's story. Boy Story. He <laughs> <laughs> fucked up the title so yeah. hard. What do I want to call it? Like, boy uh, <laughs> Story. <laughs> um, well, this came out in 1995, right? The original one? Yes. Yeah. I was a five-year-old little kid. Boy, yeah. I was a boy. Um, but I don't know. I didn't watch Toy Story probably until I was like seven or eight. Oh, you didn't see it in theaters? No. <laughs> At age five. I if saw I did, theaters. I wouldn't have a memory of it. Oh, so so Matt, your parents brought Matt, but not you. No. no I was shitting were, my diapers yeah, you were, crib. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how Jake wore diapers until like age nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then Toy Story 2 came out, and they're like, okay, Jake, <laughs> di- we're taking your diapers 2002? off. 2010, Dad's like, quit shitting your pants. <laughs> I'm 12. Fuck. You can't wear these adult diapers. They're for old people. <laughs> Dad, you'll never understand. And I just run upstairs with a huge diaper full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Slam the door behind me. <laughs> just dragging a big old load around you. A big pale blue shirt like Tommy Pickles. It just makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> it's warm. Um, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> like a single tear goes down my <laughs> Oh man, gross! So you did not see Toy Story one in theaters? Yeah, who loves anyone into like that baby fetish where you just shit yourself and like <laughs> and <then laughs> sexy somehow? And now somehow that's sexual. Yeah. Tell us more about this because I'm not fa- I'm not familiar with this baby fetish. There's like a term that I'm I'm sad that I forget. It, but it's just infant infant regression therapy turned into a fetish essentially. So like. You have like a you put a bite you put you. a diaper on and you you're a little baby and someone kind of like takes care of you but you like shit your pants and well to answer your question piss uh, yourself I'm, 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 I'm not really into that milk it's not yeah. my thing <laughs> that part I get <laughs> See, in terms of what everyone brings to this podcast we know Matt Matt is the one who will enlighten us about like bizarre horrifying fetishes yeah but I'm also like failing you because I still there's a term and I'm not remembering it and I honestly feel a sense of personal responsibility to remember and I can't <laughs> I know, and which I like, guess is reassuring for me because it I take that, it seriously it, well, but it means that you are not really into that because then you would know it true yeah I mean so don't worry listeners well don't shame me if I am <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Actually, don't, yeah, yeah. don't kink shame yeah, anybody. We don't kink shame on this podcast. Yeah, no, we, we do not. So, Except for that one specific kink that we will not discuss. We will here. not oh, say yeah. out loud. The kink that shall not be named. Um, so Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, did you see Toy Story one in theaters? Yeah. yeah, it was actually. I mean, legitimately, that was one of like the big watershed movie going experiences for me. They used computers. It was the first fully CGI movie, uh, I had ever seen. Maybe when was the first fully CGI movie? Was it that one? Toy Story. It was Toy Story, right? Okay, so it was Toy Story. So like the flagship. Yeah, I saw the first one of them, and you know, obviously everyone already knows it's like also an extremely well told, great movie. Having just rewatched it, great movie. Yeah, and really funny, and like it just. Like it fried my brain when I saw it the first time. Very like maybe Jurassic Park was the closest again, partially because of practical effects and CGI. But like those two things as like a child were probably the biggest one two punch cinematically that I'm probably ever going to experience unless we get some radical VR style. I mean, and your uh, age is like five and seven for them. So right at that point, we're like. You can watch these movies and like you know be like, in them, like, right? But yeah, and and you can also like process them. Yeah. Uh, but you're so amazed. But like you don't understand enough, and so it, it just seems amazing. It's that, like, that, like you have no concept of how it's made. That right. sweet spot, that age sweet spot, like those movies that you see when you're that impressionable age, just they they fall outside of your critical thoughts. You know what I mean? Like we've well, talked about this before as you consume media is a good, is a good movie but like what? you see it like at such a young age that like when you grow up and then you look at movies a lot more critically and you go back and say revisit it mm-hmm. and you go if i was just judging it based off of how i f- like feel about this viewing that i'm having present day this would be a bad movie potentially but because it's so embedded in like my early days of consciousness <laughs> it it escapes like your own criticism you know right it still holds this weird special well, yeah, spot you're not you don't have you don't yeah. have any sense of of like a- analysis or like things other prior or like things yeah. to compare it to obviously like we've been we've talked about this before too like as you consume any kind of art like if you read a lot if you are just a cinephile watch a billion movies etc like it does sometimes be for some people i think become more and more difficult to like ring a kind of those kind of like dopamine rushes out of seeing something new or like yeah. well crafted or whatever. Like you get that. That's like the cliche, right? If you go to art school, like you're so overwhelmed by like art history and like the full force of everything created behind you that you now know about that. Like you almost can't work. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just yeah. like paralyzed. Damn, you. It's, it's all been done. It's all been said, blah, blah, blah. All that like bullshit, like baggage you bring when you, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there is that part too. I mean, like, I feel like there's different ways to respond to like having, ha- having like a huge knowledge of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like what it's, uh, this is one what way I almost weirdly feel like it's done with me. Like, you know, spending so much time just like studying movies and stuff like that is realizing like, Oh man, it's so hard to make something good. It's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> I feel, I feel like it, it, not, not that it means like, Oh, I, I like everything, but, but it's like, uh, you know, Oh, it's like, yeah, it was it was uh it was okay. It's yeah. like uh it's it's like I I I feel like I'm more likely to like enjoy movies. Right. Uh, but it's not like I I enjoy a lot of movies. I don't love a lot of movies right. necessarily. Right. Okay. And uh but then you look at a thing like Toy Story, which is so nice to go back to because you know a lot of movies you enjoy them as a kid. And Labyrinth, for instance. And, also, um, while we're yeah. talking about it, <laughs> there you go. But and then they don't necessarily hold up. And Toy Story, it's like I've got to say that. 
the last like 15 minutes is genuinely, I'm not being hyperbolic here. I think one of the best like action finales of all time. The, the, the payoff Sid, and like the like tension. It's so just good. The whole, um, I escaping from SIDS to catching up to the moving truck. Right. The amount of payoffs there in <laughs> such a short amount of time is unreal. Yeah. Like yeah. everything from being like, just like uh, the payoffs of little objects, like, Oh, that match that Sid put in Woody's holster mm-hmm. that returns and pays off. Oh, that rocket that they strap buzz to that, that serves a purpose. Off. And, uh, but then down to like character things like Woody having realized like after there's, there's a scene where Sid tries to burn him mm-hmm. with uh, the magnifying glass. And then he realized, he and he remembers that, that match, uh, with, with Buzz's, uh, helmet and the light refracting. Fluid. Oh yeah. Oh, and right. then, and, uh, yeah. And then the payoff of like the final payoff, which is so beautiful and satisfying when the rocket takes off and then Buzz yeah. uses the wings to cut the tape and, uh, and like, uh, and break free. And, and what he says, Buzz, you're flying. And he says, this isn't falling. Uh, this isn't flying. This is falling with style. And you get the completion of Buzz's arc. Uh, with the callback to Woody's line from earlier in the movie, and I'm like, this is like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is, it is unreal how good this is. Uh-huh. That Remember? is that is part of what um, yeah. you know. And I haven't seen Toy Story two since I saw it. It's the best one. Pat's take is it's the best one. My memory was that it was disappointing. Uh, I know. Weirdly enough, me too. But it seemed. But that like, was telling when me did that you guys see this last? When it came out. Yeah. Maybe like a few years and, after. And Jake, you saw that one in theaters. I didn't. Uh, no, the first movie I saw in theaters was three. I didn't oh, see... It's cr- crazy how you like movies, but you didn't see a movie in theaters until you were 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go to any <laughs> movie theaters when I was 20 years old. Um, Jake hated them until... No, I went to like Godzilla 2000. That was yeah. pretty cool. Our dad... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Godzilla 2000 or the, the 1998 Godzilla? The 1998 Godzilla. Uh, Yo, funny story. With Matthew Broderick. Yes. And, and Jean Reno. Funny and, story uh, though, yeah, was that maybe did we tell this before? I, now I'm at that Look, point where we have we've a been lot podcasters. Of new okay, so tell uh, if you did tell it again. Well, it's not like a crazy. It's just like I just think about it every now and again and chuckle because I don't understand why it happened. But the movie or what in the movie happened? No, why we went like our dad. why he made us play hooky? <laughs> our dad who couldn't really give a shit about film and like now in his like later 50s is like finally sometimes going to the movies like if he really has time like yeah i just i and can't stress enough like this man i love him he just doesn't give a shit about any any art almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah but movies you know it's all just kind of like a way to waste time or whatever so yeah. this man does not get enthused for almost any film wait did your dad like introduce you to movies as a kid no, no, like the TV did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our parents accidentally had free cable because of a glitch in the cable provider's understanding of our service. Yeah, and we so we had the full cable suite as children <laughs> for no money, for zero dollars. And our parents used to tell us to like not mention that we. Yeah, they figured it out like cable. maybe a year in, yeah. and they were like, shut "Other the families, f- shut the fuck up about this. I'll beat you." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay," but you know, so then I was raised by like Turner Classic Movies and like. 90s era sci-fi channel which was phenomenal and to our parents credit they would take us to the movie store because they knew we liked movies and they'd essentially give us free range yeah they'd be like just pick things and i would always pick things based on the cover yeah anyway this story though our dad who doesn't care about movies never gets excited almost about anything almost forced us to all 
call, me and Jake to call, call out, out sick. sick. He forged doctor's notes and brought them to our elementary school. Yeah, to Mr. Whitehead, the principal the of our principal elementary school, school, and said Central they Lamb. need to go to the doctor to get checked for like lead poisoning or something. <laughs> and then we were like, yeah! And he was like, come on! And it was like a military rendezvous pickup. Like he, We saw him like slide the side of the van door, but he was like, go, go, get in! And we just uh, sped off and to go see Godzilla. <laughs> 1998 Godzilla. Which my dad was just unreasonably pumped for. It was that and and then the mummy. Those are the two okay, things yeah, that he yeah, was like so good, weirdly though. excited about. But it was just funny. He yeah, the mummy's pretty just, solid. Okay, wait. Here's my question. This man, I don't understand. <laughs> here's my question. Was he experiencing what, that? Was your dad breakdown? a fan of Independence Day? I don't know. I, I have no know. idea. Oh, because that seems like I feel like if he's excited for Godzilla and the mummy, Independence Day might be also his jam. I don't and, think he ever gave a shit about okay. movies and, well, that much. Okay, and well, because that was the previous Roland Emmerich. Right. Because <laughs> Godzilla imagine? was from the director of Independence. Can I you imagine can't. if we just didn't realize, like, because we were too young at the time, that our dad was having, like, a serious mental breakdown that day? <laughs> yeah, and, like, he's sweating profusely. He was like, a manic episode, yeah. We're just happy, and he's like, do you want, like, red vines or what? And we're like, yeah, yeah he's like, soda. I love you guys. You guys are my best. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the best dad ever. He's just, he's we're going to buy a dog. We're going to buy 30 dogs. <laughs> he's like, eight gin and tonics in when he picks us up. Yeah. <laughs> Seen Godzilla. So here's the question, though, because yeah. uh, my dad also took me to see Godzilla, <laughs> but we oh, went okay. on the weekend and it was normal. Yeah, we um, couldn't wait. <laughs> had to happen, had to happen on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> did your dad like At it? One thirty. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. remember. <laughs> I, we, I, I liked it. I remember seeing it. Getting yeah, it, it was in, cool. I enjoyed it. It had a cool. Um, it was one of those movies that had a cool VHS. Cover same thing with Independence Day, yeah, which I think I still own. I miss those. I miss the like um, holograms, the holograms, yeah, the hologram okay. ones, the did textured you, ones. Did you guys have the Independence Day VHS? We did, yeah. And the remember how you could turned shift it, it so and the like, White House, the White House is intact, the White yeah, House exploding, White yeah, House intact, cool. White House exploding. Mm-hmm. That ruled. And uh, yeah, seriously, with all the fancy like Blu-ray releases, Criterion Collection, you know what you need? Holograms. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you yeah. Need, Don't like, be too fancy for a good hologram. Yeah. You, okay. You, good we, holographic We're the Criterion title. Collection. We don't do Pokemon card level <laughs> gimmicks. Do it. No, you need to... Criterion Collection... You guys need to be like 90s Marvel comics. I'm talking lenticular covers. I'm talking holofoil yeah. covers. I'm talking chrome covers. Lenticular. Exactly. Just as as much shit as you can throw on there. All, yeah. I mean, like, wouldn't it be so cool if it was like, you know, special, like 1000 edition run, a uh, new edition of Wild Strawberries with a gold foil cover? Oh, you know how they get back their two lost entries? You re-release the rock and Armageddon as holofoil, wow. and then you just yes. you, you embrace the trashiness. You embrace the gaudiness. Oh my that would God. actually yeah. rule oh, with, a lot. Yeah. Oh, here's what it is on the rock. It's uh, it's the shot of uh, Nicholas Cage with the flares. Yes. And you tilt it, and it's like jets fly over, jets, just fly, behind, over, jets back. fly over, just behind. You know what else I missed? And then when no. you open the DVD, it goes. I don't want to close my Jake, eyes. Jake, that's Armageddon. That's Armageddon. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Fuck. Jake, it's like it's like you don't even know the filmography. It's like a bay. Yeah. yeah, I don't listen to soft ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> what a good movie! That's such a good goddamn line. You know, you know what you guys made me remember too was the other type of cover, the cover that had a little like blister layer with liquid underneath it, so you could like squeeze it and it would either look like blood or slime. Have you ever had those? Seen those? Did I've the, seen Halloween masks. Was that with like that. flubber or something? Like no, what? it was like I, I remember um, because you know we when we were just describing we'd get taken to the the video store. 
And I remember uh, one movie, just some no-name horror movie with like little ghoulie guy. It wasn't ghoulies, but it was like something like that. You could put press on it, and there was like some thin <laughs> like blood underneath oh, it that you could like move inside veins or something. Whoa. That's yeah. kind of cool. It was cool. It was they like a that back. Necronomicon style cover. Well, that was a thing. Mm. They, I feel like we had way more crazy cases. Uh, well, that with, was Evil Dead, it, yeah. Well, in the DVD era. Right. Because that was it. Yeah, like they did like an Evil Dead 2 edition with a, a Necronomicon case where it was like it was like a whole big thick book. I just, uh, on a recent trip home visiting my parents, this is an episode about Toy Story 2. Four, four, four. <laughs> uh, I, oh my God. What a good episode. Uh, but I was uh, packing up all my old DVDs, my vast DVD collection that I accumulated over oh. many years. Small <laughs> uh, brag. No, no, that was just like what I spend money on, just My like many buying DVDs. DVDs. And now I have no use for them. <laughs> it's like because I, I can't even yeah. use them for videos because they're not in HD. <laughs> right, right. And so I'm just packing them up to like and like dusting them off to like give to the library or uh, whatever. Your and, SD DVDs. Yeah, fuck Lame. those things. Uh, but I was realizing how many crazy covers there were that went just mm. like just like that were so unnecessarily complicated. Like I had an edition of Saving Private Ryan where the DVD case looks like an ammo container from <laughs> World War II. Wow, that's like, pretty cool. What, they don't need this. Also, this is a little bit tasteless. And yeah, they I would mean, have... I think it's cool. So yeah. like so many crazy complicated cases. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, after DVDs with like Blu-rays, they've mostly chilled out. When it comes to those, it's yeah. like, we'll, we'll I mean, just have it's little just cases. like, what kind of market is you be tossing in those DVDs and just thinking about the man hours of graphic design and, you know, weird, like, promotional composition that all these, like, people Wait, have are to you do. guys familiar yeah. with, uh, with the, the greatest, uh, like, actually, I think this would be Blu ray, but uh, basically, like, physical uh, release, uh, like, edition of all time? No. So it's an edition uh, for the. Later on it. Later on it. Uh, <laughs> The the, the, drunk. the bad movie, <laughs> so uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Oh, if okay. you remember, um, uh, oh, the vultures in that, right? No, is it covered in feathers? <laughs> no, no, that'd be so funny. I uh, the, the there's a big beat just sticking right out the front of it. <laughs> no, the the vulture is in is the villain in Spider-Man: Homecoming, which is good. Oh, right, uh, right. no, Amazing Ooh. Spider-Man Two. That was that was the last one before. That was the second Andrew Garfield one. That was when uh, oh, no one chameleon. liked it, and Sony was like, "Oh God, we don't know how to do these. Uh, do we can assassinate we just, Andrew Garfield? <laughs> do we what kill, do we do? Kill him? They're just on coke and coming up with unreasonable just ideas. Just one of those anime like Evangelion close-ups of a man in like opaque glasses, just being like, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Yo, Garfield oh, must wait, go. Wait, wait, I, I, I have, I have not finished explaining this to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I found, I found it. Okay, so no. Amazing Spider-Man 2, that was the one where the villain was Jamie Foxx as Electro. Yeah, oh, right, and he right, turns right. blue. Yeah. Can I show you now the the special edition uh, they they made of The Amazing Spider-Man 2? You, yeah, you, you can get may. your live All reactions. Right. Okay. Oh! Ew, ew! What the fuck is this? He looks like a ball sack. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so for, for those listening, it's <laughs> not real. <laughs> so fucked Fuck. up looking. Oh my! It's so, like if Jamie Foxx got like horribly burned what? and then <laughs> frozen. <laughs> Why would you want that and in your home? And then he became a Pez dispenser for DVDs. <laughs> 
So for those he listening looks like at home, a testicle outside but the pezes of the are all the pezes are all tonsil stones. <laughs> yeah, it looks like your gallbladder got removed and then had someone carved a face in it. If oh, you're it's so, gross. so if you're just seeing this for oh. uh, if, if, if you're listening at home and, and can't see this, um, this is a big plastic bust of Jamie Foxx's blue face as Electro, and then apparently like uh, then from from around his like collarbone, uh, like a, a, a trap door slides out. Containing the three discs. <laughs> so this is really just like, do you want to put a life-size blue Jamie Fox head covered in your covered in electricity veins bust. on your shelf? You're oh my me god! Blue bust. And again, this is for a movie that no one likes. <laughs> That has to be such a highly collectible thing now, though, right? Yeah. Wait. For, for now it must. Let's irony. keep. Oh, wait. Wait. Okay. Back to Toy Story Two. Uh, so wait, when did you guys see Toy Story Two? Because you apparently uh, didn't um, love it. And I'm going to look up the uh, this this edition on eBay and see how much it costs. Well, okay, look. but I also didn't... I also I, I mean, it's it's a bad talking point for me because, like, I didn't love it, but it's it's an emotion, It's the last bit of emotional resonance that I can remember from when I saw it in theaters when I was really young. And so, like, I also don't have a great memory of it, period. I just, like... J- I don't know. I just, like, at that point already, Toy Story 1 was so nostalgically large in my pantheon of films that, like, I think it might have just been the fact of a sequel that looked slightly different and had what I guess I thought was, like, a less satisfying payoff in story that, as a child, that it just was tainted. I don't know. Interesting. I I remember being at an age where probably a scene that if I rewatched now I would find kind of emotionally touching I thought was cringy and kind of lame which was the song section the Sarah McLachlan song maybe Wait, you're talking about basically the best scene in the entire right, yeah, so that's I, think, what I, mean. I actually agree with I Jake think at the I think time, that that was like oh the sickly sweet like 12 year old boy me was like yeah. I want to see something a little more rad there's like a girl Woody and she's yeah. like yeah it was I was like it was probably just from a place of immaturity for yeah. the most part. You haven't part. seen it since then? No. Uh, oh my no. god, guys, this movie is a masterpiece. No, there were parts of it though that I really loved. I, but like, but like that, that specific the scene... the best part of the movie. Right, and at the age that I watched it, that was my least favorite scene. I remember always thinking like, oh, here comes the cringy song with the girl like swinging around with her reme- doll Jesse. See, I will remember... I want to watch this. I, like a loser, did not see Toy Story 2 in theaters. Like a loser. And uh, I, well, I went through this... <laughs> I mean, like, I... Like a loser. Matt, I was telling you this the other day. Like, I'm mad at myself for this phase I went through where I just kind of stopped seeing animated, like, kids' movies in theaters for years. Because you thought they were too childish, I bet, right? um, No, because you were like a comic book dork. I I was, but it was also the thing of, like, this is a movie aimed at kids. Am I too old for this? Is it weird if I go see it? And right, uh, yeah. and like I I saw a Bug's Life, but then I did not see, uh, <laughs> and it was mortifying. And uh, but but also I was like ten. Oh, but yeah. then uh, but then also an- revolutionized the notion of fake bloopers animated into that, a CGI. That was movie. the first time. Yeah. So weird. And uh, which I also loved as a kid. Yeah, but and and they, I was like they're actors. Pixar kept doing that for a long time. Uh, and and they Toy have Story a gag two. in the end credits of Toy Story two in the bloopers yeah. where. The, the bugs like people have a cameo. Oh yeah. man, and, uh, I remember that. Yeah, uh, but I. But anyway, like I didn't see Toy Story two in theaters. I didn't see uh, Monsters Inc. I didn't see Finding Nemo. And then it was when The Incredibles was coming out, and I was realizing that these movies were like supposed to be so good. And I was like, I should probably uh, get back to seeing these yeah. Pixar movies in theaters. Imagine if the bugs and Bugs Life. I mean, what's to say that this isn't also a, yet again 
potentially a coherent universe where all of these things are alive and can talk and have well you you know they bugs, do those things toys. where what Pixar likes to do the bugs is, could ride on Buzz. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, that would be cool. Matt, you know that Pixar does this thing where they, they tend to to put in in their movies. <laughs> they tend caterpillar. to like in the corner of the frames put in like a. Can I talk? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, so, hey, we're just having fun, Pat. Yeah, I know, but you keep like looking at each other and giggling while I'm trying to like talk to you. <laughs> so it's like it's hard to have a conversation with someone when they're having a conversation with someone else. That's true. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying, but uh, Pixar does this thing where they put in little cameos of their upcoming characters in their movies. So like people found that in Coco. There's um, Duke Kaboom, Keanu's character, is just oh. like in like a child's crib in one mm. shot. It's like Lotso Huggenbear from uh, from Toy Story Three is an up right. in like one shot. They they always do this. So they are. I mean, look, the, the Pixar theory has been a thing for a while about how they are actually all in the same universe. I read that because that was like Brave was like the big tie-in. Like, I think so. There's someone had some big like Reddit theory that was like, yeah, this it, it's been around for a while. The flow chart, but basically to like steer this into a place on top we should we should i want to get to toy story 4 before we hit an hour we can okay. just do a hard reset and just start doing it we can but i i do want to like i think it's it's relevant to like go through these because right. the series is so unique in that there's these huge gaps between movies and we are like different people when we see each one of them and mm-hmm. the movies kind of reflect that and so like when i saw toy story 2 um i remember See, I just remember being uncomfortable during the When She Loved Me scene. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, I'm like watching it on VHS, rented, like with my family. Yep. And it's just like, this, like, you know, everything is quiet and we're not laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I, I don't know how I, I, I again, I'm like, I'm like 11 or 12. And I'm yeah. like, how do I feel about this? This is, uh, this is very sad. And I wasn't expecting this to be sad. Yeah. And then as time has gone on, it's just, I find it like one of the most like emotionally devastating scenes in like the past 20 years of cinema. Yeah. It's I uh, damn dude. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so brutal as you're just I, I, like, you get that point in the scene after she's like been under the bed for years. And then, um, uh, Oh my God, what is her, her owner's name? Um, I'm blanking on it. And I, feel like a jerk because uh, I just watched this recently but when she she gets picked up and taken out and she get and she she's in the car and she thinks she's returning to the place right, where they right. always used to play and then she just gets left in a box yep. and th- which then <laughs> happens you know, so, again uh, it, it does and then it basically creates this like PTSD for Jesse where she's like she's been trapped in a box for so long and been abandoned that she's so afraid of it of going through it again and this kind of shit makes me love makes raises so many crazy questions too now as an adult viewer where i'm just like i don't need logical consistency but it's so hilarious to me that like toys can uh develop neuroses and have ptsd and (laughs) develop claustrophobia and which again comes up in the fourth one too a little bit. right like i'm just like damn these these toys some of their lives are just living hell yeah they're tragic I, i mean when we get to gabby yabby Oh my uh, god! Who who has a devastating existence? But yeah, but and, <laughs> but like that—that's the thing. Like then we there's an eleven year gap, and we yeah. get to three. And I vividly remember seeing three because I had just graduated from college in 2010. Yep. And the really interesting story choice they made in in three is to have time pass like in real time. And yeah, so, so Andy, Andy has aged age. eleven years, and he's going to college. Right. And so and I'd already due to the Toy Story movies, felt guilty about just, like, getting rid of toys and stuff like that. It had just instilled this guilt in me since I was a child. Yeah. And then you have this movie about, you know, the, 
this this guy who's like you know what like wondering what to do with his toys that he feels still feels like a connection to but has no real use for anymore yeah. and then and then of course they just like it was Toy Story 2 where Pixar kind of discovered that, like, oh, wait, people will are into it and like it when, <laughs> when we go, like, like brutally emotional and, uh, and when we deal with these, like, way heavier themes. Like, we can do that. And then it, be, and it, so it became they a thing. They love that, it. Yeah, that, like, Pixar became known for. You get, like, you know, the first 10 minutes of Up and stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, no. The reveal at the end of Up yeah. is, is still, for me, the most emotionally devastating Wait, which reveal at the end of Up? That she was the like, reveal that our their life adventure. was the adventure. Oh, our yeah. life was the adventure. That was so touching. Yeah. And Jake's was, married, so it makes sense that he would yeah, give a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pat so and I cynical. cried because of Bing Bong. <laughs> <laughs> Bing Bong tore my heart out. I was like, there, yeah. I cried. I'm not, I cannot stress enough. I don't know what I was, I was going through that day. But I was in a theater full of literal babies, <laughs> and I was crying, ugly crying, so much harder than a five-year-old girl sitting next to me that I was like, I'm going to leave, I think. Because, like, <laughs> this shit's embarrassing. Yeah, the girl's like, chill, dude. Yeah, the girl, this five-year-old girl was like, hey, it's going to be fine, Jesus. And I was like, I just... <laughs> you can get ice cream after this. Yeah. It's going to be all right. You'll get double dessert. <laughs> But see that, and that was me in Toy Story Three. Yeah. I, I remember I went to see it with uh, my mom and my sister, and uh, at the end of that movie, because there's the the trash compactor scene where they, yep. where you've got that moment where Buzz reaches out his hand to Jesse, and they realize that they're going to die, and they accept their fates. Yeah, they hold their hands and they all close their eyes. Yeah, and then you've got the scene <laughs> where, it. like, you know, Andy kind of gives them all to Bonnie, and yeah. uh, and at the end of that movie. Uh, my mom and we had saw it in 3D, and so we all have the 3D glasses on. My mom. I'm turns, also going in the incinerator. <laughs> and my mom turned to us and was like, "That was fun, wasn't it?" And then was like, "Are you guys okay?" And my sister and I just like look at her, like so glad that we have the 3D glasses on to hide hide our like bright red eyes, and we're just a wreck. We're like, <gasps> your tears are shooting out towards her, and she doesn't even realize it. She's like, like, what what the fuck? This 3D glasses, tears streaming under the lenses. Yeah, and it. it it was it was just devastating, and uh, and that still is actually the only Toy Story movie that makes me cry. Oh yeah, um, watching watching a bunch of your favorite toys accept death. Right, sure. I, but, but you know what else is? I feel like that's an important. I like Toy Story more than others, even though I have also problems like with Pixar and like et cetera. But like, I don't know. Shoe, I like Pixar for occasionally putting in the heavy shit. Like I, I think I, frequently putting in the heavy like, shit. But like, I think it's like good. It's, it's what children's cinema and like children's like entertainment used to have a little bit of. I mean, we were having this conversation yesterday because you saw Toy Story four, and we're like, like pretty much all the trailers uh, before it were for kids movies that, that that are just for like the most like pandering awful nonsense disturbing garbage like brainwashy like brain rot garbage like stuff that i would like it's like it seems like weapons to me like i'm like i'm not taking my kid to go see any i would never take my kid to see like again what was that fu- sled do- sled dog sled dog or I whatever mean, i mean i mean maybe spies in disguise jake you know about spies in disguise right <laughs> of course i do <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me any other questions about it wait 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 do you actually know about spies in disguise Pat, of course I know that's nice. Come on, wait, wait, I don't, but that's cool. We can change. Wait, no, 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 no,
Jake, no, 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 no. I, I, it is totally a fine, fine to say, say you don't know what it is. It is an animated film starring Will Smith. Uh-huh. Do you know what, do you know, have you seen the trailer? Do you know what it is? <laughs> I don't know if this is a trick question. It's not a trick question. I am dead serious. Uh, just I, don't like, what, you, I don't know what it is. You don't know what Spies in Disguise is. No. Oh, boy. Oh, look at him. Jake, am I fired? I'm, yeah. I, no, 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 no. I am so excited that Jake gets to find out what Spies in Disguise is. Will Smith is in it? Will yeah. Smith is in it. We won't, we won't ruin it, though. Will Smith is in it. Um, I like Will Smith. Will, we, we, Will Smith? <laughs> we, I mean, we've got to show him the trailer. Should we do it at the end of the episode? Yeah, yeah we should yeah, do yeah, it. Okay, That'll be a dessert. Talk about report. Toy Story Four. Um, now. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> but like, like Matt, what you were saying, mm. so many of these kids' trailers seem to not treat uh, treat the kids like they have any intelligence, right? And uh, and just be these like warmed over jokes, just like like bottom of the barrel stuff uh, that don't. Yeah, that like it was or like, just that seemed bad for them. Yeah, it's yeah. like app game characters and memes like turned into creatures that just yeah give the lowest common denominator jo- denominator ugh, jokes yeah. like just bop 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 and then some sort of uh sort of obligatory story happens that is about like being brave or some just some bullshit like yeah right yeah and, like, and the thing that we were talking overcoming about overcoming something yeah and then the weird thing is that like as much as disney is this like terrifying monopoly that is buying everything <laughs> their trailers like you look at them and it's like these movies just seem better yeah that's true disney the problem with disney is now like is that toy story 4 has come out in the era yeah like you were saying where disney has has like consolidated so many other and like ingested so many other entertainment companies. Hey, Spies in Disguise, technically a Disney movie now <laughs> because it's, it's a Fox movie. But so like um, I now just inherently am leery of the imprint as like I just, am, I just am of as like anybody who has so much centralized control over the greatest entertainment you know, franchises of all time. It's just yeah. reaching so many human beings. So like, and it's I always have a cynical view now of basically anything I find out is under the Disney umbrella, like, umbrella which right. is like everything. Yeah. It's designed, their, their product is especially designed to hit literally small humans with the most impressionable opened neural pathways to be developed brains you Which, know what so, I mean yeah, like, so when their I was, content is hitting the most susceptible brains possible so like when I'm crying at yeah. the end of Toy Story 4 I'm going like that was a beautiful movie like I recognize that you know yeah. my that this is a valid response and like I can't ignore that but also part of me is like god damn it they've like they've like cracked the code of like emotional manipulation to like make me feel something for literal like commodities that have a life that right. I'm supposed to care for and like and of course th- but that's yeah. specifically like the Pixar thing because like much of why Disney has been so successful is they buy things that are like already doing well on their own <laughs> yeah, they buy good stuff they don't take a lot <laughs> right. of chances exactly just, yeah. so it's like okay we'll buy Lucasfilm we'll yeah. buy Marvel <laughs> we'll like after Pixar goes independent we'll like buy them back and it's yeah. like then they can generally keep doing what they're doing because it's already doing well right and yeah. uh but yeah but it, it is this weird Disney thing where it's like look even the like like the Frozen 2 trailer is looks like a it's in a totally different like category than every other trailer that shows before it was really stark Toy after Story. like Angry Birds 2 trailer right. and then that i was like <laughs> wow Birds. right yeah. here's a movie where they're trying and here's a movie where they're not trying <laughs> right and but anyway uh 
I and then sorry, when did you guys see Toy Story three? I saw Toy Story three in theaters, and f- it was the first time that like you know it had encapsulated my viewing experience of the other two and like wrapped it up with, with a nice little button the entire trilogy. Um, and what yet, did you do after accepting death? That was my question for Toy Story four. Yeah, right. I was like, okay, well, how do they build off of? this arc if you are literally accepting your mortality at number three technically and then deus ex machina pulls you out of the fiery furnace that you're about to be engulfed in right one of the gods of the universe and by the way though um i just have to say with toy story 3 the scene when they sink into the furnace and hold hands and close their eyes and accept their fate is heartbreaking the scene that everybody came out of the theater and told me that i was going to cry to which a lot of people like where Andy gives away his toys to the young girl. Oh, that totally makes me cry. I, okay. I think I've mentioned this before, but I found the scene kind of funny because I kept getting hung up on the fact that here's this 18-year-old boy (laughs) who shows up with a box of his toys and he's going (laughs) to give it to this, like, I guess a four-year-old girl, four or five-year-old girl. Very sweet gesture. She goes to kindergarten in four. Okay. So anyways, she's preschool age. Um, very sweet gesture. He's bringing his toys to this young girl and the mom's even happy. And, and he's like, obviously someone she knows in the neighborhood. So he's like, all right here. And then he takes the toys out and shows each individual one to her. And he's like, you know what? I'll, sh- I'll, I'll introduce you to all my new toys. This is Buzz Lightyear and this is Woody. And the mom, it cuts to the mom. She's in the kitchen and she's sort of standing in, in the kitchen looking out the window <laughs> at this kid playing with her daughter and smiling and like, oh, this is very touching. And Before to be fair, to school. they know each other. To, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. It's but implied. This is not a stranger. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Cut to, it's sundown now. The sun is setting. <laughs> <laughs> Andy has been playing with his toys with a three-year-old girl. <laughs> you keep making yours well with an infant. <laughs> for at least five or six hours. And the mom, like the mom, is still happy with this. And all I could, the mom is tied up crying in the house. <laughs> all I could keep thinking was, if I was the mom, I would be like, "That's so sweet." Cut to an hour later. Maybe Andy should fucking go home now. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andy. Yeah. Um, you, um, you, you have above call, and beyond. Aren't you Andy. going to like Wesleyan or some shit? <laughs> like, Do you need to go to Reed College? <laughs> yeah. Like pack your bags and go. If you went Sophie, to Reed, that would be so yeah. funny. <laughs> I My daughter say, is a little tuckered out right now. Have you, you, think, have you seen the movie off since that first time? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen the movie since uh, then. I will say, watching it again, yeah. uh, that scene is not as long as I remembered, and okay. not as much time seems to pass. Mm. Fair. Then that is, was just in my own I think it is. No, no, I've heard, I've heard the same thing oh, really? multiple times before. Yeah, from other I'm people. glad I'm not the only yeah, one. Yeah, no, but... Uh, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, the scene is is not as long as people remember. Anyways, I'm making fun of that scene, but actually, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. And so, how are you feeling going into the fourth one? Did you an- did you have an answer for my question? <laughs> What's your question again? Do you think <laughs> that Andy, who presumably went through puberty, beat off in front of his toys <laughs> and potentially even used one? Oh, I mean, well, this, this is exactly about that. This, is a, toy? this is the thing that comes up in Booksmart, even the, with the reference to to Toy Story. Really? Mm. Yeah, we I, we a, were just talking about this with your wife before we recorded. She brought it up. Yeah, about how one of the characters like felt guilty because of Toy Story and didn't get rid of uh, 
her, her toys and there's a part where they reveal that she used this like stuffed rabbit to masturbate yeah oh, i've heard yeah. that too girls using like literally like yeah the stuffed animals to just sort of like hump so that has been addressed by a recent film that's so funny oh okay never mind this is a hack bit then i'm sorry exactly yeah. all right keep going yeah, hack bit Andy but jerking no, off to his story. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, like because <laughs> like, I was, Head. I was, I've been nervous about this movie for a long time. Yeah, and then the trailers, uh, you know, showed so little for so long. Like, like the marketing was so vague. Pixar marketing tends to be vague because they. Uh, they know that like you're gonna see it. It was it's annoyingly vague though. It was like Woody's hat in the on the ground with a white background. Yeah, like nothing. It's just like the toys are back. But then there was also <laughs> that fir- there was that first teaser trailer where I'm, I'm like, I know this is like I don't know what this movie's gonna be, but I know it's gonna wreck me. Where it's just uh, you did that shot of them all like. You know, uh, they're all like holding hands in a circle as the camera like pans around mm-hmm. uh, while they're playing shit. Watch that Joni Mitchell song. There's so many. Yeah. Um, uh, blue? Uh, no, I don't think it's blue. Uh-huh. A case of you. A case of you, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the one that's like... Da, 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 na, na, oh, gosh, na, I don't know. Oh, Canada, my own. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't anyway, know. Joni but the, Mitchell. But the, they're playing a sad Joni Mitchell song yeah. while we have these like happy slow-motion images of the Toy Story characters. I'm like... Yeah, they've. Oh God, I'm, this movie's gonna wreck me. And then they have the reveal of Forky at the end, where he's just like, ah, ah, what am I? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like Toy Story four. But I was, I was nervous for a long time because it felt unnecessary. But I was kind of intrigued about Forky, and just this notion of like, <laughs> who is? He? Yeah, like so. If a child just builds something. And it, it, in this world, it gains sentience. Yeah, it was a, such yeah. a cool new conceptual wrinkle. Okay, right. but if we're going to talk about that... Well, okay, let's get into it now. Yeah, let's get into this lore real quick. Forky, <laughs> he's an awesome new character. Hell yeah. Forky so yeah. good. Forky, he's Tony trash. Hale, ru- like, rules. So funny. But I want to talk about what you just mentioned, Pat. The I'm This is so stupid. What is the little girl's Bonnie. name? Bonnie. Bonnie. Thank you. Okay, so Bonnie creates Forky. And Forky now was a, uns- a non-sentient spork, plastic fork, whatever. Who has some prior memories of being trash. Exactly. He, he's sort of sentient because he knows in, on some level that he's not meant to be what he yeah, was also, made Yeah, also the Joni Mitchell song is Both Sides Now. Okay, cool. Thank you. So I was curious, like, do all utensils have well, some sort every of like object proto-sentience? On Earth? Is yeah. there some sort of ur-consciousness yeah. undergirding everything? And they that, can't move or talk or communicate properly, like but rock. there's an awareness of themselves well, in okay, everything. It, it, some important details here. Yeah. Again, they it's not like there's like a, a Toy Story guidebook that explains the rules of the, of <laughs> the world. Is Toy Story into like the Heideggerian sense of being? Or right. What's, yeah. So here's some things. I mean, remember like Etch-A-Sketch is sentient. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but for instance... Wow, um, actually that's blowing my mind. Yeah, but with Forky, high. He, is, uh, he is given... <laughs> Uh, hum- like he, he is anthropomorphized. Yeah. And uh, I sorry, I didn't articulate that well. Anthropomorphized. Yes. He has Perfect. eyes, a mouth, you know, arms and legs. Right. And he was referred to with he's given a name also mm-hmm. as you know he's given all the classic things that like a sentient being requires. Sure. Like a golem, how you need to yeah. you need to carve the name into the back of the golem in order to like right. finally give it life. So I think it's the like logos. that. It's not like you know if someone has a nickname for their shoe. Oop, that shoe is alive now. Right, but it's but 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 Forky also knows that he's not a toy. 
Right. Well, that's he, what I'm curious. But about. he is though. He that's the thing is that Forky's wrong in the sense that like he has now been given this new level of consciousness based on the fact that like apparently human beings are kind of gods, even though they are not aware of it, which is an in- even more interesting wrinkle. Imagine if God didn't know that we were here or that we were the way we were, but instead we had to constantly fake a completely different state of being whenever we felt God's, God's attention put on us. Yeah. That's like an entirely more bizarre. I think Forky obviously is just like, also (laughs) he just looks silly and like they wanted to animate a character that like had to have some recognizable traits so that like it wasn't, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And etch a sketch. Also some important things about Forky is that (laughs) all of these toys have been manufactured as toys Right. Like they were created in a factory for this purpose. Forky Children. is made from things with that had a different purpose. Yeah. So he. So th- th- I think that like I, uh, you know, it, it is much of what leads to his psychology and like believing that he is something else because he is made from something else. Like he, his pieces had a different purpose originally. Right. And but so that also ha- that, that brings a new a whole other idea of like, I guess you're right. Prefab toys. But, like, they come from materials that all could have had another purpose. So I feel like also a certain magical type of love from a human being is also necessary. I, I think it really is. I, I think <laughs> you really need that person to, especially, I mean, the toys, they're already, like, doing their thing because they're just made. Yeah, uh, straight up made. But then, but I, I think, like, it wasn't until Bonnie called him Forky that he became a sentient right. being. I she, love that she idea. named his name. And I that. love saying Forky, and then in her hands he goes, <gasps> Yeah, like which just, is kind of what he does. It's yeah, actually yeah, like it's a fairly up. effectively creepy scene yeah. when, he, when he finally like becomes alive, essentially. Yeah. Where I he's like, kill me. <laughs> yeah. And we've also just got to point out that the montage of Forky trying to die <laughs> is honestly one of my favorite... Trying to cancel himself. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite just sequences in any Pixar movie. Oh, it's so good. Just him. And just the way he just kind of well, he says like, uh, trash. Yeah. <laughs> As he just like waddles over to the trash oh. can. T- trash. I'm and I trash. love. I love when he keeps uh, jumping out of Woody's clutches when he's trying to put her in Bonnie's bed. And then in the morning he wakes up and sees Forky like sleeping with like a little dirty napkin over him, like a blanket, like safe and secure yeah. in the trash bin. But so, it's so I, good. Can I to to really get into this movie? Um, can I do what we used to do on We Heart Heartnet and Please. just read the first paragraph of the Wikipedia plot summary? Yeah, because yeah. pretty much as yeah. soon as this movie begins, yeah. like with like the first images of it, right away I was like, this is, this is going to be an emotional ride. Oh my God. Uh, so during Andy's childhood nine years earlier, uh, RC, the remote control car, is being swept down a storm drain. It is a huge rainy thunderstorm and man, that rain looks intense yep uh woody leads a successful rescue operation with the help of other toys but while they are busy bo peep and her sheep are given away by andy's younger sister molly despite woody's efforts to convince her to stay bo reassures him that part of being a toy is being taken away woody briefly considers going with her but after realizing andy still needs him they bid each other farewell and then we jump ahead and we are now two years after andy donated his toys to bonnie uh, so I, I guess she was four and last time now she's six. I want to point out a very important thing yeah. about this movie that I found it, it. It's not especially significant, but I think it's interesting. Uh, the other Toy Story movies had, um, they existed in real time. The, the time that passed in the real world passed between movies. This movie does not. 
this movie nine years have not passed. Yeah, because I was gonna say. I, I mean, if nine years passed, then it would just be the same thing over again. It's like Bonnie's a teenager; she's getting rid of her toys. Yeah. So this movie is set in 2012. Yeah. Oh, Which, interesting. And I think um, I got they, confused by the nine years prior. Me too. I was thinking a little bit about it, but yeah. then I just let it go. I think they do also. It doesn't really become like it's not like showcased prominently, but there's little details like, for instance, um, the RV that Bonnie's family is in. They have a more old school GPS. Well, I feel like nowadays people would probably just use like you know their their iPhone oh, with shit. like Google Maps. So you think Pixar went through the effort of adjusting all technology that is a vi- like shown in the film to what would be around in 2012. Yes. Well, okay. And, and again, I've only seen the movie once and I wasn't also like looking for this, but thinking back to it, the GPS is the example I can think of. Got like it. this movie is not set in 2019 while the other Toy Story movies are each set in the year they were released. Hmm. Got it. So, but anyway, now Molly's not, you know, Molly, you know, she's not listening to like Jojo Siwa or something. <laughs> I uh, know, um, but anyway, but so we have that opening no. scene, which uh, which really kind of like sets up a lot of the ideas of right. the movie. Because again, in, in Toy Story three, they just established that Bo has left. Oh, Toy Story three has like the most cryptic and sad moment when somebody just mentions offhand, like, "Oh, blah blah blah." Woody and remember Bo, and Woody just goes, "Yeah, Bo." Well, and it, looks sadly into the middle it's, distance. Yeah. It's when they mention that they've lost some over the way. Yeah. And, and he names some people, and then he pauses and goes, Bo. And I, you know that there's a story there. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, they're not going to give us a little, like a little snack or a taste of what happened here? Like, they're just going to let that go? Because at the time, I thought that was going to be the last Toy Story movie. Right. And I was like, so Bo, what, what the fuck happened Did to Bo? Did she right. break? I will say, a yeah. thing that I found interesting about Bo in this yeah. movie, I mean, she's one of the, the leads of the movie, yeah. is that... Last time she appeared was in Toy Story 2. And yeah. the, the animation technology was way more rudimentary back then. Sure. I did not realize she was a China doll until this movie. I always thought she was, like, also plastic. Oh, but it yeah. wasn't until they could have, like, the textures uh, like that, that are visible on her in this movie that I actually realized, like, oh, I get what she is. She is, like, barely a toy, even. She's, yeah. like, this, like, a... Uh, She's a tchotchke. Yeah, yeah, like from this. She's this, a themed lamp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Th- she, I, that, the fact that she can move as much as she does in four surprised me. Right. I was like, astounding. oh, she's got like points of articulation and she can like run around. That's <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, she also breaks in a different way. Yeah. Right. Because um, she's just everyone's kind of shiny in the first two. Yeah. Well, that that was kind of one, <laughs> one of the really brilliant things that Pixar decided like for their first movie. It's like. We can't animate everything equally well, so let's make a a movie focus on plastic things. Right. <laughs> because everything just looks plastic anyway. Except for Sid's hair is so I love it. Just that buzz cut he has. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's good that he's also it's the most prominently guy. featured human in that movie because all the humans look scary. And he, so, you know what he looks like? He looks like like uh uh Sid looks like the the doc, the evil doctor genius from A Nightmare Before Christmas, yes. had a grandson. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sally. so accurate, Sally. Frog's breath. I uh, no, that's that's really good. Um, that's but good shit. I mean, uh, he's experimenting. Yeah, but but like right here in in this opening scene. First of all, it's just like I got so stressed out about these toys, and I'm yeah. just like, oh my god, RC, he's yeah. stuck in this storm drain. Just every and, day is a struggle for these things. Right. I also. Uh, thing that i always love in these movies there's always like missions to rescue people and stuff like that but i love the way like right from the beginning of the first movie that 
these toys have like they've been together for so long and they have just like these systems of operating you know they've got like the army men mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. stuff like that and I love whenever they have to do some kind of mission whether it's like like in the first movie where they have to like spy on the birthday party to report back what the toys are and it's like it is like this military like precision they have yeah. like everyone has their role they like they know like everyone knows what to do and so I love watching them like spring into action yeah and uh and they, they have all their systems for like you know avoiding humans and stuff like that and getting to various parts of the house despite being so small <laughs> but then we basically have Woody's arc set up right at the beginning where you know Bo's like you could hop in the box and come with me and right. uh, and he's like no like I can't leave like my, my my person my god like like this <laughs> like I have a single purpose right and I can't I'm a monotheist yeah, and like, and I, uh, and you know, and, you could be Buddhist, you know. It's just there you go. Well, to a Christian. And, and the thing with these, I feel like with these movies, you can place a lot of different, like, uh, you, the toys' purpose and them, uh, and them, and their like allegiance to their their humans or whatever. Uh, you can interpret that in like a lot of different ways. It yeah, can, it, like like as a career, as a religion, like a bunch of different things. Just a vaguely as a sense of purpose. Yeah, you know, in and, general, and stand in for whatever that is, and he's just not ready to leave it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is this is I know like you know obviously jumping to like the end of the movie. This is why I actually like this movie more than three because I do think it gives Woody a better ending. He's the protagonist of the series, and this I feel like has him grow in a way. Like three has him accept that he can have like a new god. That it, yeah. that it's not that it's he's not solely tied to one person, one boy, right? But this, you know, <laughs> this uh, I guess postulates that he that that he can have Ooh. have a new existence. Yeah, that's uh, true. With he, a new it's purpose, a, it's a more sustainable ending for the toys, not necessarily. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it does again invite weird questions. Like, is there's like a subculture of lost toys that no longer are attached to any human being and therefore are just running amok and mm-hmm. like gaining a sense of purpose out of it, like literally like travel and <laughs> like they're like Instagram thoughts. They're like right. going to like places and be like, Oh, take me back. <laughs> like, but then, you know, their role at the end of the movie is like weirdly like this almost underground railroad, <laughs> like, it is. like liberate all of these toys from like the carnival so that they can go be with people. Right. And fulfill their purpose. Cause all toys seem to still, most toys, they're outliers, and most toys seem to want to be played with by children. Yeah, and, like, yeah. and, and this is also a thing where, again, Woody has presumably existed like longer than most because he was a toy from like the fifties. Yeah, so right. probably and Gabby w- Gabby knows knows him from that era. Right, so yeah. he was probably like passed down through the family, and so a lot like you know Buzz is so young. He was created in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Woody is like 40 years older than him. And so Woody has has uh, has a lot more experience than a lot of these toys. Yeah. And he has like only known one kind of existence. And so he's almost like he is the best suited for this new kind of existence where he's helping like younger toys yeah. uh, like find their purpose like he had for so long. But he's kind of moved on to a, like a higher purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. That's what we're saying. These movies are like have a weirdly heavy reading yeah. philosophical he's, he's like luke skywalker at the end of the last jedi <laughs> where he like accepts his new role and realizes that he can like 
uh, he can do, he can do more and be more helpful now by like sort of sacrificing his like corporeal form. I also like that Forky, yeah. who is essentially existentially panicked and suicidal for all intents and purposes, just needed their reason, you know, to live redefined. to be redefined and recontextualized into like terms that it, he understood. And then he was happy. Right. Yeah. But guys, saying. Through, the, through the mentorship of Woody, who was an, of an older generation and therefore was having a hard time, but could also grow even in that small way with Forky by like figuring out that it's different for other toys, even to accept the terms of that he believes are the best, which is like to make a kid happy. And all Woody has to say, really, at the end of Forky's major arc, which is only like, what, 35 minutes into the movie, is that you know, he realizes that Forky wanting to run into the trash isn't like necessarily him trying to escape his newfound fate as being a child's toy, but instead it's like, oh, you're, the trash is your purpose, but did you know that you're <laughs> Bonnie's trash? You know, and Forky's like, I'm Bonnie's, tr-. like the trash, being in the trash is the best thing ever for right. him. And he's like, well, to Bonnie, in your terminology, she, you, you're her trash. Like, she wants you. <laughs> Which is weird, though. I mean, that does bring its own problems about to think in that way. Where right. You're like, ooh, I love uh, eating junk food constantly. And then, yeah. and then someone's like, did you know that you, you this other person... Uh, to y- your their junk food. <laughs> well, so okay. like what? So I'm just bad. Like you're bringing up an interesting point though, which is that I can't wrap my mind around the movie a hundred percent ever. Like I kept thinking about Forky in all kinds of different ways, and I couldn't quite get a grip on him. And I don't know if that's intentionally so that he's created as a sort of slippery metaphor. Something. <laughs> 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 Hashtag slippery metaphor. <laughs> um. So. Like I said, it's just one of these things like it might it might be to the movie's, you know, benefit that they have this character that you can ascribe so many different interpretations on. But then also what happens is I feel like no one is satisfied 100 percent with their interpretation, because as soon as you try and drive through and match all the beat by beat points of the story to the interpretation you have, you're always going to find aspects of it that don't gel with yours. And right. like, OK, never mind. It's not about that. Well, things like Forky isn't like an existentially like, you know, like blocked person who is suicidal or chronically depressed or something <laughs> and wants to die and it rejects the sentience he's been given. Like, you know, I was born by my own parents and I didn't ask for it. Now I'm thrown into this life. And, uh, well, well, but they, here's the thing. So yeah. like, I don't think the toy story movies have ever had one very simple metaphor that was, yeah. that we were intended to interpret. I think the important thing with Forky, which is why <laughs> it, 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 I love this academic unpacking. Oh yeah. Forky. Yeah. The thing with Forky, which is why it's so essential to, to Woody's arc is basically yeah. just like understanding that, uh, his original purpose does not have to be his final purpose. Got it. That he yeah. can have a new purpose. And that's what Woody has to learn over the course of the movie. And, and like Forky learning this first is kind of like helps him get there himself. Right. And that's sort of, uh, it's, to me, that's the point of it. Well, Forky doesn't learn it first. He learns to have a purpose first. Right. Or like, or no, cause like Woody learns the more complicated notion of like, almost like love, I guess. Right. Like love and being your own person. Self but you're a delusion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. See, it's hard to figure out what the fuck they're trying to say sometimes. 
sure. I mean, it's like it's. I, I guess it's a movie it, about. Yeah, love is love is love. <laughs> but like, yeah. I'm sure it's. I mean, it seems like it's mostly just about self actualization, and also like everyone has a different perp, like has a different source of of meaning that like. And that it's you're able to, to change what your source you, of meaning is. And that if things aren't working for you, 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 you do have the ability to redefine yourself in a way that you can still be satisfied with like different phases of your life. Because I'm still thinking about it in terms of this, like, they already know that they can die and become... Melted. And, or whatever. And become they can. But, but again, as we see in this movie, it's very hard for them to die. Because there's that one guy who was ripped in half by the cat and his... Top half is just chilling out. Right. Yeah, with the other toys. Doing great. How dismantled do the toys have to be before they finally do okay, perish? The great questions of, of Toy Story. When does a toy truly die? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like if is Buzz Lightyear's head was ripped off his body, would he still basically be alive? It, is it is it the same thing like um what they say about gods in uh in American gods? Uh no, in uh in the Sandman. Oh, so, oh, another Neil Gaiman thing, right? Uh, where because the endless are older than gods and will always and will never go away because gods stop to, cease to exist when people stop believing in them, right? But the endless are ideas that will you know persist endlessly, right? Yeah. And uh, anyway, a lot of questions, but <laughs> let's let's go back to working Is our way Woody through, and endless through the story. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> we should do a swamp thing like sort of arc with Woody where he's just some sort of like avatar for the toy archetype. The yeah, the wood. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, uh, hey if any if any uh, artists listening want to do some fan art of uh, of of Woody in the style of like Alan what, Moore what, Swamp what, thing was run? it like John Bizet uh, and like Steve <laughs> Totalbin yeah uh, or, or, or Steve Bizet and John Totalbin the artist on Alan Moore Swamp thing that would be great um, but but basically like at the beginning of the movie once we jump forward in time and we're back yep. to Bonnie's house basically now what I think is interesting here is that that we have Bonnie playing with the toys but. Woody is not just like the star of her playtime the way no. it was with Andy. It's like Woody is kind of stuck in the closet without a lot to do. He's, He's not... a second tier toy yeah. in her eyes. I like the other shitty toys that Bonnie doesn't play with anymore in the closet. <laughs> Which like are all... like baby toys. Yeah. yeah she's out there. They're just all pathetic. Like, also, again, weirdly enough, a chair with a face is like, remember when she used to play house with us by the way voiced by people like mel brooks and betty white which i thought was really funny oh like God. they got a bunch of like og old, comedy old actors and actresses that were <laughs> just irrelevant so yeah <laughs> they're like it's cool you got your first dust bunny i was like i was what does he say like you she, you you buy a house you live in it and that, oh. that's the end of the game what a classic game house <laughs> guys uh, uh the chair yeah, voiced by carol burnett oh yep. hell yes and and the, the the credited name for the character is Cheryl Burnett. No! Oh! <laughs> oh. Dude, that is... That's a solid pun. Yeah. Um, but like it's like... I more for that. I mean, uh, there, there's so much like... like the, the cast is so wacky. Cheryl Burnett. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, really fun. Hell yeah. But yeah, but but basically also... I like that. Um, well, a thing that I've always liked about Woody is that he's so insecure. And like, it, <laughs> yeah. like the first movie is entirely built around him being jealous of not being the star. Yeah. And it, uh, and him having to like learn to be friends with someone and like, like seed the spotlight like every yeah. once in a while. And right away here, you know, he stows away with Bonnie under the pretense of like, oh, I'm just going to help out on her first day of kindergarten. After when's... arguing with the senior toy in Bonnie's room by trying to usurp her like or like undercut her leadership of the room. Right. Because he's so used to being in that yeah. role and has a hard time. Yeah. Seating her that. senior toy, which is. Dolly. 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 And she's a doll. 
Exactly. Plush toy. Also, I will say I I I've just yarn hair. I, I I've always enjoyed uh Bonnie the, the new like members of Bonnie's toy crew. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Mr. Pricklepants, voiced by Timothy Dalton, right, is yeah. like you know like such a star. But um oh shit, what's the name of uh Kristen Shaw's character? The Triceratops. The Triceratops. Yeah. Um, I'm going through IMDb really uh, quickly now. Uh, Who's who voices the the fucking uh, oh oh, oh Pegasus. Tri- Trixie the, the the Triceratops the Pegasus with the gruff voice or the unicorn with the gruff voice. Um oh I'm I'm like, to... hey I'm a fucking unicorn. <laughs> yeah I, I I don't know what I thought the unicorn was Jeff Garland for a second. I, no no wait I I mean no Jeff Garland is in it. Oh no, no yeah well, actually I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, was it uh... Buttercup? Jeff Garland is the voice of Buttercup. Right the unicorn right. Uh, I think so. The one I, who's like, we gotta send your dad to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That can yes, we jail yeah. the dad? Also, the parents get the just parents like the arrested. psychotic amount of. The, like, I was feeling really bad, and this is a testament to the fact that I'm now 31. But I was like, that I would. I'm, this dad is is really putting up a heroic effort here because this vacation is going so badly. Your oh, your yeah. stupid daughter is crying about <laughs> some fucking spork that she glued eyes on you literally fl- a spork yeah you get flat tires your shit's Sporky. like fucking up you're trying to have like you probably planned this vacation for so long because you've had a kid and it's hard to like get out of town and like you didn't even go that far you clearly just tried to do a like weekend trip to like the yeah. woods and like it just sucks and then he gets like the cops come <laughs> he's like this dad he a bunch of toys under his gas and brake pedals yeah that are just fucking around with the car right like but basically gremlins. so so what he goes to school with bonnie right you know? and uh and while and, and he he does help her out mm-hmm. you know because she's like immediately as much as i can't remember it super well i was uh having like you know vague sad flashbacks to just like any times where there was like a daycare or whatever, when you're just like brought to a place without your parents and other kids you don't know. I remember my first day in, I guess, preschool or kindergarten or rather. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the, my first day I did, I just straight up cry. I was just like in the hallway crying well, and I had to like teach her had to sit down and be all nice to me. I want to I want to ask you guys about this too because every Pixar movie has these moments. Wait, can I tell a story about my first day of kindergarten? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Pat. So I <laughs> it's a confessional. I wore yeah, yeah. I wore a baseball a cap to school. <laughs> And uh-huh. at the end of the day, uh, the uh, the teacher was like, because we were like kindergartens on our first day, the teacher like yeah. walked us to our school buses at the end right. and we're walking, you know, in like, uh, in, in like a line and a kid behind me, I think his name is Ryan. He said something. He like, he like made fun of my hat. And so I took my baseball cap off and smacked him across the face with the brim of it. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and that's badass. Yeah. Challenged him to a duel. And then, and then the parents, and then, then the teacher called my parents that night. Oh no! And then my first day of kindergarten, I <laughs> I, I struck another child <laughs> with the brim of your cap. Yeah, I remember it. I just smacked him across the face. Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> and I remember killing in the name of God. <laughs> I remember where I was sitting when when I while cap watching my you. mom talk to the teacher on the phone. And uh, anyway, that was my first day. I yeah. whack, I smack my cap across this kid. Um, that's a, that's that a system a, of a down reference. <laughs> Whatever. It's cool. You guys are consistent. I mean, you guys love your system of a down reference. I mean, yeah. trying to build a prison for you and me to live in. I mean, that, that yeah. album is actually straight up classic. Um, so, no, so but Jake, you are saying. So every Pixar movie, we, we already mentioned this a little bit, but every Pixar movie has the scene that makes you cry. Um <laughs> I feel like you could pick more than one for this movie. Oh, oh yeah, but no, this is the first of the two. This is the first of two scenes, and I just don't like. 
And I, I distilled this a little bit because I was like, I don't know why this scene's so upsetting. Like, plenty of kindergarten kids don't like their first day of kindergarten. But there is something weirdly upsetting about the scene of little Bonnie. And she comes down, she sits at her table, and then she can't get, like, the crayons. <laughs> I'm, I'm no joke, I'm getting upset talking about it. <laughs> and then that shithead kid And then the, the shithead kid just, like, walks over and takes everything, yeah. And then, like, a couple falls down, and she just feels so isolated. And then uh, when Woody comes out of the backpack and puts the crayons back up on the table for her, mm-hmm. it's, it's rough. I can't you watch that song. Yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't like when bad things happen to little kids. <laughs> and that's I know good of you, to say, Also, Bonnie, really, Bonnie's so nice. And, she's uh, cute. And yeah, she, you know, she's just, she's a little kid. And she's, <laughs> but she's, she's having like a rough a, day. She's like a nicer little kid than even the other little kids yeah yeah i, I mean you just feel so bad for her it, yeah. it just it seems but really also rough. when woody puts the things there but then he doesn't try to make himself be seen also woody is a pro getting around without being seen they, oh, he just the, wants to help out he just wants to help her feel happy it's a it is a noble cause and his hubris creates another being yeah, yeah. That indirectly, that allows him to grow. <laughs> that allows him to grow. So, in a way, he helped himself. Oh fuck. Also, I, I will say one thing that I like is that the other characters do always give, <laughs> they they do always. Jake's having an emotional time here, uh, but the other oh, characters do always give Woody Pixar. shit for like like they they're always aware when he's acting out of his own insecurity, and he's yeah. like, "No, guys, guys, it's Forky. It's good. I was just helping." And they're like, well, "Come on, Woody. We, we know right. exactly what you're doing." There's an Created element of monster. Yeah. Pride, yeah, oh and uh, but the, the and, and then basically Forky shows up, tries to die in this montage, and he's just like he's always shaking. <laughs> I love the look of Forky. He's just a pipe cleaner. Also, the way the, the way uh, he has his pipe cleaner arms, it's like one piece of pipe cleaner wrapped yeah. around him, and they often have to like tighten it up so yeah. that his arms don't slide down slide his body. Down to his abdomen. And then he's just got two halves of broken popsicle stick <laughs> stuck in a wad of gum as his feet. The, I thought, the, I thought it was clay. I thought yeah, oh I maybe it was like clay but like or like a gummy eraser or something but yeah, like Play-Doh. The, another thing just like what, what Pixar does really well is the physicality of everything like every toy based on its build has a way of moving that is always so funny I'm and like obsessed, really believable especially yeah. rewatching all the movies I'm obsessed with the way that Woody runs yeah because he tends to like that his, floppy kinda. yeah I, he doesn't use his arms he has his long legs that, that, that run while his arms just like flop <laughs> around and then his upper body just kind of often like leans back yeah, yeah like, it's like Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie yeah it's yeah. like Ed from Ed and Eddie I was a damn it I was about to say that it, gotcha. it, because he's always like snipes sprinting across a floor to like hop up somewhere and just yeah. always like his like weird flaily run because that's it. You know, he, he has like his, this little like uh, fabric and stuffing arms. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but then little but, crimps in them. But, but his legs have actual human muscles. Anyway, to, to jump along with the story, they go on this road trip. Forky keeps trying to die and Forky ends up throwing himself from the RV. Right. And Woody, who at this point, he's like, it, it's, I mean, he's acting largely out of self-interest, yeah. but he's like, I can help and do something now, but my purpose is still to make Bonnie happy. Yeah. And if and Forky is making her happy and it's an opportunity for me to, to be useful, I will do this. Yep. Just like, give me a thing to do. And right. so he jumps from the, oh, actually more like, uh, I feel like falls from the RV. Yeah. And then he and Forky start walking back and then they end up eventually at kind of at this theme park. Yeah. Well, sorry. It's more. Like, it's a carnival. It is a tra- clearly a traveling carnival. Yep. Is it a traveling carnival? Yeah. Remember they they move around. It's like a fair. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
It's a fair that's situated itself in the middle of an RV park. They have carnies of like yeah. a sort of county fairground slash campground. Like yeah. you could park your RV and stay there for a couple days or whatever. Yeah. Also, uh, there's that one carny that that runs the, you know, whatever the game is where the toys are, are prizes. The, like pins. You try and knock the pins down. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Bill Hader does the voice of the carny, and his name is Axel the Carney. I mean, that guy barely says anything. Yeah. Exactly. I had, did not register it as Bill Hader at I, all. I, I thought it might be Bill Hader, but he's also one of those guys now that ever, I think since Inside Out, he, he sometimes will just like pop up in like a Sneak tiny role in a picture. That's a pretty Star sweet film. fucking little position to be in. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you know, the best one he's got is, nice um, is Alan Tudyk in uh, the Disney Studios animated movies. What does he do? Yeah. Uh, well, Same thing, just sneaks in with little cameos. No, no, uh, Alan Tudyk has become... So you know how John Ratzenberger is in every Pixar movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Tudyk has become the John Ratzenberger of just Disney Animation Studios. I I think it might have started before Frozen, but uh, but he's like the villain in Wreck It Ralph. He's okay. unrecognizable because he just sounds like he's doing the voice of the, an impression of the guy who played the Bad Hatter in, in very nice in Alice in Wonderland. But for instance, it's a like. But like uh, Alan Tudyk is in Moana as the voice of the chicken. The chicken doesn't <laughs> speak; it just squawks. Oh, yeah. But he's still in there doing that. It's like yeah. they will find some voice, even though it's almost never recognizable as him. But he's gonna show up somewhere. That's dope. I like that. Yeah, I would like to do that. Yeah. Anyway, they end up at this uh, at this 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 carnival. Uh, I'm looking at. Uh, at the the Wikipedia plot summary, but before he ends up, they see they see Bonnie's like trailer camper thing that the, the family drew. But Buzz sees whoa yeah. whoa whoa, uh, Bo Peep's lamp. No, in, you mean in, Woody or Woody sees, but Bo Peep's lamp in the in the in the window yeah. of this antique shop called uh, Second Chance Antiques. Yeah, uh, which is whoa, you know, symbolizing. Um, so he <laughs> busts in with Forky, and he's just like, "Come on, well, it's just one second. We're just gonna go check." Obviously, we all know that this is going to lead to a complication. Uh, and the, in one of the scarier moments in any Toy Story movie, oh my gosh. Uh, a character named Gabby Gabby is being walked by... <laughs> what are those dolls called again? Howdy Doody? Ventriloquist dummies? Yeah, like a ventriloquist dummy. It has like yeah, a but there's like a too. bunch of them, and they're all named like... I don't know. They have names, but like... They look like Howdy Doody, or like that face, that and sort of Alfred E. Newman. They also kind of Pee Wee Hermony. They, they look like the dummies from the covers of the Goosebumps series, Night yep. of the Living Dummy. Right. The uh, class. If you if you see a ventriloquist dummy in your head, and they don't stand up with proper posture. Nope. Like they're always slanted to one side. They look like they, they have a. Like malformed limbs, they can't speak properly, and they are probably the most. Fr- they're the most frightening characters in Toy Story since the toys under Sid's bed. Right, yeah. but they're actually Hands malevolent. Down. Yeah, which is the thing, and they just grab you. <laughs> yeah, and they have little nutcracker kind of like gnawing mouths. I hate them, and I hated <laughs> them, and I and then Gabby was Gabby was there, and you think she's a friend for like two seconds, and then you're like, yeah. no, there's too many. There's so many of these ventriloquist dummies, and. and uh, and then they set up, and so, so Gabby, uh, who I could not place her voice for the whole movie, uh, it's Christina Hendricks. And then I know I didn't get that either. And then I saw her name in the credits. I'm like, like, oh, right. right. I don't think uh, Christina Hendricks has like a super. Not really. Voice. She does. Well, I mean, like, like I watched every episode of Mad Men. It's right. like I I know her voice, but yeah, uh, is the Romanovs good? I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I've heard very mixed things. Uh, but but basically, what I like about Gabby Gabby is that. Um, <laughs> 
they had a, a similar storyline in Toy Story 2 and 3. This is, I mean, like, I really like 3, but this is one reason that I rank it a little bit lower, because there's a similar thing of, like, they go to a, uh, a place that seems great, and then there's a guy who seems like a kind of, like, kindly, kind of, like, uh, older, like, mentor who yeah. turns out to be bad. Right. Like, I, like... Lotso, uh, Lotso is very similar to the prospector. The prospector, yeah. Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete, yeah. Uh, but what I <laughs> like about Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> and I like that that Gabby Gabby is not the same thing. Like like with her, like she seems sinister way more early on, and ends up becoming this tragic. I mean, everyone's tragic, right? Uh, but ends up becoming this sympathetic figure uh, who ends up like you know who is is not like entirely malevolent. And uh, and we end up caring about her, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she she turns out like, she turns out okay in the end. It's, this is just what yeah. happens when a, a frustrated believer in the notion of of bringing joy to a child as your sole purpose that gives yeah. you any reason turns sour and isn't realized, and you have and you don't grow the way Woody has. Like, right. well, she's she, been alone for so long, and not even in like the regular way. But like she it, could have made friends with all those other toys that have that cool like speakeasy club inside that like shoebox or that whatever. is true like, she's yeah. rejecting the she's dance rejecting life. social life for this like martyred tragic situation yeah I, I think and that's the thing because they established that really early on her ex- i mean like she was made with like a defective uh voice box right so she was never purchased she never even had it like all the, well here's the thing the other all those uh, th- those toys and their cool speakeasy, including our boy Duke Kaboom, who we should yes. get to soon. Uh, they were all they're the classic sort of like ri- you know uh, forgotten or left Misfit behind toys uh, toy thing. narrative. While Gabby Gabby never even she has like never felt love. <laughs> it's every time you can't talk about these movies without just it sounding so depressing. Well, because it kind of yeah. is. It's just that this is the this is the 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 secret sauce, man. Like yeah, Gabby Gabby has no conception. Of genuine, you know, human affection, aka a, a, a being filled with the light of God. Uh, <laughs> aside yeah. from books and no lived real, she, she has no reciprocated she has a sort of love. Biblical text, which is like this picture book of like tea time with like, you know, a, a little, little girl. girl and like a doll that looks kind of like her, and she just lives through that and like imagines what it would be like. But and, she has and no she's genuine... fixated on this one specific girl right, who's like the obsessed. granddaughter of the owner of the antique store, right? Who comes in periodically, so it just right. enough times for her to have seen her frequently and then build her up in her own strange fantasy of what life could be like. Which is this unique thing because yeah. a lot of the characters in these movies, it's like they had their kid who they loved yeah. and left behind, and here it's like she's never even experienced that. She just wants to be loved by this one kid. Yep. She's like a incel. <laughs> Basically, yeah, this, toy incel, this yeah. toxic, this toxic projection onto a particular female figure. Yeah, uh, and obviously it goes wrong because she's has no realistic expectations about how it works. And holy shit, talk about weird, slippery interpretations. You know, Gabby Gabby is the toy incel of the of and, the movie. And just I mean, to, just to make it relevant to 2019, right? <laughs> sure. To skip ahead then to like later on in the movie, she. Because she like she wants Woody for his voice box, right? To uh, t- she basically does an organ transplant. She like yeah. cuts him open, removes. Uh, 
I, I swear to God, these are these are fun kids' movies. But uh, she which he willingly up, lets her do at one point. In, yeah, in order to be as selfless as possible for Bonnie, and exactly, and get Forky back. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and she takes his voice box, and and then there is, of course, uh, a heartbreaking scene yeah. where she's finally in her place to uh, to meet Harmony, where Harmony will finally hear her vo- her working voice box and want to take her home. And then doesn't. Yeah. She She's pulls like, the string and is like, hi, I'm Gabby Gabby, and I'm ready to have tea time with you. And Harmony like looks at her you know, a little curious for a second. And then and the grandma's goes, like, do you want this doll? You can have it. And she's like, eh. And she just tosses it, in the, which is a pretty realistic, probably, reaction to yeah. kids. Yeah. Even in 2012, yeah. Just and be it, like, fuck this. Yeah. I have an iPad at home. I have a Game Boy Advance. I have an Instagram <laughs> account, and I follow Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this creepy doll named yeah. Gabby Gabby. Well, and it, it's one of those scenes where, like, you know it's coming. Yeah. You yeah. know this isn't going to work, which Obviously. is what, what it's, it feels so so inevitable. Like, this is her dream, and we just, going into it, we're just like, this isn't going to work. When everything's made to be broken. They right? should have done that. I should just been, want and you it's to know. They're called Goo Dolls, which is perfect. <gasps> yeah. Oh, God, I, I definitely toys. knew that Make when toys, I did. Make Toy stupid. Story 5. Have the Goo Goo Dolls play... Goo Goo Dolls. Okay, Woody's back, but he's voiced by whoever the get lead singer of Goo Goo Dolls is. <laughs> Wait, so, okay, guys, we, we gotta skip to the part where uh, Woody reunites with Bo. Yeah. Because, and, and the way it's done, I think, is really essential. Because they meet on, like, a playground. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's essentially... Uh, are, are like so significantly they meet they basically re- reunite like they are in the same frame at the same time while being played with by a kid and are in like still life toy mode mm-hmm. so they can't even like really look at each other that was um okay speaking of moments that one that one was the first to like hit me with that wave of like oh no i'm getting yeah. sad <laughs> when they are not allowed to like relax and be alive they have yeah. to be toys, but they're, they've been dropped on the ground in such a way that they're staring at each other. Yeah, next to each other in the most serendipitous moment of both Fuck. their lives. Yeah. yeah. And that. so... I know. Yeah, it was and, tough. And then we, we learned that... Bo, so Bo has like become a badass over the years where yeah. she's just like functioning on her own. She doesn't need a kid anymore. She's found yeah, she this new life. Need no she man. rides around in a remote control car disguised as a skunk. Yep. <laughs> With her sheep. With her, her sheep. new best friend who's basically a Polly Pocket. Which, okay, the part where she comes out and yeah. hops on the stairs. Oh, uh, great. Her friend's name is Giggle McDimples. Also. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Mrs. So Tiddlywinks? Good. I was like trying to remember what her name was. They, they constantly find just new cool ways to introduce like new types of toys and how they work and move. Yeah. Oh, that, so, that small sight gag where those Three GI Joe basically okay, archetypes okay. the one combat can't. Carl combat Carl voiced by Carl Weathers. <laughs> no way. Uh, one of them, there's three of them. One of them can't get the high five. Arctic Carl. <laughs> Arctic. Arctic Carl. <laughs> that that gag. Wait, did you guys stay through the end credits? Yeah. And I'm so they have that great gag where they'll high five Woody, and then Arctic Combat Carl will raise his hand, and no one high fives him. And then finally, in the end credits, he gets a high five. Yeah. So they don't even leave you hanging with that. They they. It's I, just like, so funny. I love the idea too of like you know, it expands the dimensions of like what a toy's reality is by introducing the notion of like yeah, all that shit that I remember clearly from my childhood, like 
shit in sandboxes like half buried like that you excavate and right. play with like it did bring back almost these like rushes of sensory memory almost of like digging weird shit out of a sandbox yeah and like playing with a truck or they had the what are yeah, those the communal toys what is that? in the sandbox our favorite toy the thing that you like pull the ripcord <gasps> and it spins okay they had a sky dance, sky dance. Sky dance. Yeah, yeah. i noticed that i was I, I, listeners, uh, the reason we speak about this so fondly is because it connects to a a still unmade project we uh, (laughs) we, we, we hope to to develop. Sky dancers are pivotal. But all I'll say is, um, uh, for this uh, still unmade project, I... Uh, a couple of years ago, tracked down online and bought a bunch of sky dancers, uh, which were, lest we forget, a toy that was recalled for being the, too dangerous in the nineties because kids kept like hitting themselves in the face with it. <laughs> and actually, I remember um, it's like fan blades if they were outside of their protective cage, essentially, yeah, and dressed as yeah. princesses. I, yeah. I will say, did, did you guys hear about this? Uh, so. I, the collection of Skydancers, they're they're being stored at our friend Chloe's apartment, <laughs> and uh, at one point I think like uh, Chloe was like cleaning her place, but had the Skydancers out, mm-hmm. and uh, and then her. <laughs> Her neighbor, a little kid named Patrick, came over to be babysat by her, and immediately this, like, I don't know, five-year-old picks up a Skydancer, <laughs> stares down at it, and pulls the string, and it shoots up and smashes him in the face. Uh, and and she's like, oh, right, that's why those that's were recalled. total recall. <laughs> uh, so there are, are Skydancers. Oh, also, that's just that. remember that clip? I just always think of the clip where the... The girl, little girl, gets a sky dancer out for Christmas. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It and it just floats into the fire. Yeah, immediately, <laughs> immediately. It's incredible. It's just a recipe for tragedy. So yeah. I liked all these toys that, like, when you're a lost toy, you're more of like a polytheist. Like you, <laughs> you are excited for when the the rush of kids after school come to like play, just because it doesn't matter. Who it is just like it doesn't you know, have to be one, right? You and, will be and chosen. this way also you don't have the inevitable tragedy of like being retired or being forgotten or being put in the closet. You know what right. it seemed like? It seemed like taking like a, a hallucinogenic drug, right? You're a toy in the toy box, and you're not beholden to any one kid. And you know when a kid picks you up and brings you into their fantasy game, you're transported, right? Like, (laughs) but you have these kids and they rush in after school and you're getting picked up by like four, five, six, seven kids. (laughs) You're being touched by four, five, six. (laughs) And you're just getting thrown full force into like the fantasies, the play fantasies of like, you know, uh, like large number of kids in a, such a short span of yeah. time, and you're just whipping through them like uh, like the layers in Inception. Yeah, or something, break on through the know? other side, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. Follow the ride That's, the kick up through the layers. Yeah, but, ride, uh, the, ride the snake. But I. Uh, but then uh, some of those fantasies are good, and some are dark. Yeah, but then of course, <laughs> this being a Toy Story movie, there has to be some kind of like heist sequence style, like breakout rescue, uh, a mission. Yeah, and uh, and. I really like this one because they have to, uh, with Bo's help, they have to get into the antique store and rescue Forky. Right. Because again, it, I mean, Forky. This is <laughs> this is basically like the crux of the movie is like it's about helping Forky, and then Woody realizes that like he has to like help himself. Yeah. And I uh, and but then and then okay here we go here we are now at the point where this is relevant to this podcast yeah. to. In, to help them on this mission, they have to enlist the help of an incredible addition to the Toy Story franchise, Duke Kaboom, you know Canada's greatest stuntman. You know what's funny about this podcast is that we got to Keanu Reeves, 
And I feel the same way as I did when I encountered him in the movie, which is that I had forgot that that was why I was going to see the movie. (laughs) And then he showed up. I was like, oh, fuck, Keanu Reeves is in this. Holy shit. Duke Kaboom, here he is, finally. I knew he was going to be in this, and yet I forgot, like, by the time we got to him. What was the name of the little French boy he disappointed by not being as good as Which also, (laughs) which is a a great new concept in terms of, like, reasons for a child to, like, discard their toy. This this one makes so much sense, and I'm sure us who were, you know, once young boys can relate. Raised on 90s action figure Mm, advertising. Exactly. It is the toy that looks amazing in the commercial, and doesn't live up to it. Yeah. Right. All those fucking Hot Wheels tracks where like a... There was the shark track, I remember, where like yeah. a, you, a big shark would eat a piece of the track. And it, they... But they did a whole animated... Ooh, and they sold us a fantasy. Oh, they did. The, the one that I always... learned our hard lessons. What I always think of was action figure commercials. Yeah. They always had this thing where they have all these like fake walls constructed yes. to smash through. When you shoot or, the little like projectiles. Yeah. yeah. And I'm always like, where do you get those? <laughs> like, where are my little like fake brick walls and, and, yeah. and just like like stacks of little like colored bricks yeah, to those, those get Those things that look vaguely like ice cubes. Yes. Yup. Exactly, exactly what I was thinking of. And his thing is he's supposed to be the stuntman where like you pull the motorcycle back and then it'll like do a jump and then he fails but what's so funny about it is he's canadian which is also great because it's keanu reeves who is canadian yeah grew up in toronto Um, it's like a a type of role he hasn't played before uh this sort of like tragic melodramatic like action hero (laughs) uh usually he plays just like a like like very stoic yeah i are kind of like you know kind of like monk like uh, action hero and this right. is great because he's like theatrical yeah. but he's Rajon. but Rajon this curly haired <laughs> little doofus uh, he just like he, he looks like freaking Ratatouille guy he does look like the yeah. Ratatouille guy uh, Louis uh, uh, was uh, Linguini Linguini <laughs> they just called him Linguini yeah nice. but I uh, but it <laughs> But so anytime he thinks of that, he's always like That's prone to like have these, tra- <laughs> have these emotional flashbacks. Yeah. But he's just great because he loves to pose because he's an action figure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I like yeah. he's also pissed about advertising. <laughs> yeah. He's like, of course I can't do it. It's a freaking ad. Yeah. It was a commercial. And, and then. I need oh, to work yeah. on mine. <laughs> and you get the great moments like at the climax where it's kind of like. Uh, buzz at the end of the first movie yeah where it's like he's finally got to do like the thing that uh he was that that like he's got to live up to the the fake version of himself the commercial version and it's the thing that he can't actually do in real life Mm. but uh but he manages to do it anyway he finally gets that feeling that he's been chasing for his whole existence yeah but he also does it like he's like i'll do it with my eyes closed they're like duke no yeah immediately just ups the game and makes it way more dangerous spur of the moment i love that yeah He's just great. And he's also the kind of guy that like, it seems like Bo might've dated in the past and then realized that he was like a whiny baby who she didn't want to like spend a lot of time with. As soon as Rajon came up, he would collapse off his motorcycle (laughs) and weep on the floor. Yeah. And I love how much tinier he is than Bo Peep. Yes. Who's just clearly a much larger figurine and he's this tiny little Hot Wheels action figure. (laughs) He's great. Goat, gruff, Bo. Those are my girls. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good. And so Uh, basically they... You know, they stage this heist and yeah. uh, where they have to avoid all the dummies, which also is they're just unnerving. And I'm sure they'll give children nightmares. And there are straight yeah. up like 12 of those fuckers in there, too. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Clearly, yeah. no one wants to buy the dummies. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, basically, they they manage to rescue Forky. But the, uh, well, they, 
they wait okay what's the thing it's like you, they you would, fail don't they uh and then buzz goes back in and trades his voice box right because because buzz returns right also. they do this whole heist that's really strenuous and everyone gets fucked up and like injured and broken and then they barely make it out alive and they don't get forky and they don't get forky but then buzz is so like insane like he just like he's at this point just like frothing with the madness that he needs to just you mean like what god keep damn calling it. him buzz fuck you're confusing our listeners <laughs> sorry listeners um he's just so dedicated which is why bo loves him uh but also gets so frustrated with him sometimes god man and yeah. but so <laughs> he goes in there and he trades his voice box and he gets forky at that point yeah and then, and then uh you see the tragic gabby gabby, gabby, gabby gets scene. rejected yeah and yeah. uh and and yeah and and this is all like i like how we have sort of i mean a lot of these different people sort of uh they like they like make Woody realize different things and kind of like reflect different aspects of the toy existence. Yeah. It's like you have he, like he encounters Gabby Gabby. He encounters Bo. He encounters Forky. And yeah. from each of them, he learns a different thing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and in the end basically realizes that he can, I mean, you know, to basically skip to the end when yeah. everyone is reunited and uh, Woody is returning to the gang, he kind of realizes that he actually can have a happier, more fulfilling existence with a, that he, where he doesn't have to just be attached to one person, he can go off with Bo, and uh, and have this like sort of you know this newfound freedom, but also the greater purpose of like helping other toys find the children that will make them there, happy. I don't I don't know if that came across to me at the end of the movie that that's what Woody was trying to do. I sort of thought that they were just emancipating themselves from the idea of children at all, not that they were becoming mentor figures to other toys in the carnival. Is there a scene that like points that yes, to that? Yes, it's point? where he helps Gabby Gabby uh like like yeah. get found by that little girl who's oh, lost. Okay, I watched that scene and literally just thought they were just being nice to Gabby Gabby. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's super sweet." They Thank also you. do it in the post credits yeah. uh like more explicitly there's like this montage of them yeah. like as the carnival again travels around to different places like them helping the various toys that are up like to be one like f all of them find children got it by okay. fucking with bill by Hader's fucking with the rules yeah yeah, yeah. 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 and then, and, and, and of course uh and then you get uh <laughs> they have the final gag where key and peel's characters just attack the carny i would watch a whole <laughs> movie about them being huge and shooting lasers <laughs> Yeah, that shit was got wild, and I was like, "This is awesome." I know, and uh, also just that one thing where they keep pitching their ideas for like the heist, yeah, and it's just this wide shot as they like leap into this old woman's <laughs> face, reveal yeah. that they're alive, and, and attack an old woman. I I also um think that the ending, one of the many like facets of the reading of it are like, it's even though it's about toys and kids, and parents yeah. are kind of like these. Like in Rugrats or something, you know, they're 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 auxiliary and they're kind of dupes and they're used for mostly comic effect, mm -hmm. um, and they're to be thwarted. Like that, the movie itself could be considered a little bit like parents dealing with kids, like raising children, like what it's like to like care for and watch the development of a kid, and then the inevitable happens where they like leave the home and you need to find a new a new reason for being that can't be completely bound up in this other completely independent yeah human being. It's, yeah it's like woody's like an empty nester yeah he's yeah. exactly right like, i had read that and he's yeah. just a, he's a serial <laughs> monogamous when it comes to children i get that's fucked up sounding uh <laughs> but you know like <laughs> like he can't deal with it um you know yeah 
Yeah, he's like a psychotic grandparent. <laughs> sure, or a, or a helicopter parent or something. Uh, right, right, right. Right, and, and that's why you know I, I'm so glad that they they made the the fourth movie because it you know it gives Woody like this really like he, th- this growth. And, and you didn't know you needed it, but I agree. It's yeah. a better encapsulation and closing to his particular character and what I guess he needed to learn. There is something to be said for the, the having just the third one be the end, though, and understanding that they are caught in a vicious cycle. Forever. There, the there is strip that. Ending. Yeah, there is something to be said for that interpretation of like the world working that way. Yeah, but you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't account for like a lot of questions. You know, I agree with you. It could have just ended at the third one, but what's so I do like about the idea of the franchise addressing the fact that so many toys get thrown in the trash, so many toys are just lost forever. You know? Right. Yeah. Like what the fact? What the fact? What the fact? What the fact happened <laughs> to any of our toys that we used to play with as kids? Who knows where those are? They probably were melted or they're sitting rotting in a landfill somewhere. Like, you know, where did all those action figures go? Right. I remember what feeling happens? reticence and throwing things out even yeah. as like a teen, you know? Yeah. I was like, man, I love this dumb rubber dragon that I used to play with all the time. Yeah. Or like these other things. I still think fondly of like my Z-Bots that I used to have. <laughs> rubber monsters. Rubber monsters. Um, and I th- also, the, we had some pretty good street sharks yeah, I remember um, those. those. Yeah, there was cool. some dope shit that I kind of like still would be like, that would be cool to have still. And obviously, I don't really remember what happened to him. My assumption just is that mom and dad, you know, our parents just, just the at some point just saw him, noticed we hadn't really picked them up. They were just lying in a chest somewhere and just right. like, throw this shit out. Because there is the final, this is the final like caveat I always feel about movies, especially when we're this deep into multiple iterations of the same property, is nostalgia mining. I'm always... I'm yeah. always pretty like I hate it. I I'm always trying to be aware of like that playing on my brain because I don't think it's a particularly I don't think it's a very legitimate reaction like I don't know. Right. Um and it's also just like been at this point just like completely just weaponized. <laughs> I mean I I think yeah, this, this movie largely avoids it. Yeah, I think that's true and it, uh I mean to the extent that like I've developed an attachment to these characters which i've literally watched yeah since i was a child you know like it it's key that it was like they were like an ip like the characters themselves were an ip yeah. instead of an angry birds movie where i'm like <laughs> seeing angry birds 5 and like one of the angry birds is farting and like I'm, <laughs> it's right. like a new angry bird and like whoa whatever. whoa whoa don't project <laughs> where the angry birds franchise is going to go we don't know if down the line that's going to be this generational defining masterpiece and kids that <laughs> saw the angry birds movie when they were 6 now then see it when they're like in their 20 late 20s this is their know, toy story way down the road yeah, that's not their true. toy story and the angry birds are dealing with and loss I'm just like an old and, man and shaking my stick the absence I'm like of god <laughs> you can't love uh, flappy you can't have a fortnite 5 movie <laughs> and they're like you don't understand the Fortnite 5 movie is dealing with what happens when, when rapid when urbanization it, occurs in a rural area what like happens what? when a significant other has a debilitating disease and you need to take care of them <laughs> I like, have cystic fibrosis it's like what oh my god it's a metaphor for cystic fibrosis I have fibrosis. Huntington's disease <laughs> 
The Angry Birds movie is I a, have to build the biggest fort for my heart. <laughs> that would they be They planned amazing, it the whole actually. time. The Angry Birds movie is about the slow degeneration of an Alzheimer's ridden brain and like which parts of the brain you lose first and it all came together when Angry Birds 8 got released. I can't believe there's not a Minecraft movie but there's 8 yeah. billion Minecraft YouTube videos with yeah. entire narratives. They've tried. I, they, I think they're still trying. Um, guys, do we have tough. anything else to say about this movie? I gotta say <laughs> Hey Oh oh! can I say the thing About the music Yeah Oh yeah So Randy, Randy Newman. Newman Has obviously composed Songs for all the movies uh, Even like in the, in the second one Like When She Loved Me He wrote it uh, And he also has Composed the scores For all these movies He uh, He's done like More like Like film scores Than I think Most people realize Including for several Pixar movies um, but Matt, do you know, so you know how composers often have an orchestrator? It's like, they'll write the melody and the orchestrator kind of like expands on it and like right. works out like what, what sections of the orchestra like play what parts. Yeah. Do you know who Randy Newman's orchestrator f- since the late nineties has been on all his scores and for Toy Story two, three, and four? Can you give me a hint of some sort? He is a, 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 a film composer, uh, who has composed, uh, uh, he's 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 done some some big movies that are extremely different from Toy Story, uh, and um, you're not gonna guess it. And it's it's a, not Danny Elfman. No, no, no. <laughs> you're not gonna he, guess he, it. He doesn't work it. He uh, he doesn't work as often as Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. but but he's made some big hit movie. Uh, he's composed some big hit movies, and is just you never associate him with Randy Newman ever. Fucking uh 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 Trent Reznor. <laughs> uh no. Okay, that's my guess. Tell me. Okay, uh it's Don Davis who did the music for all the Matrix movies. What? Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Don Davis has also done very little like a uh, solo film composing work since the Matrix trilogy. Um, but like you think of his sort of like atonal like John Adams influenced uh music for like the Matrix movies. Yeah. Especially get like. Uh, as they go on, the uh, he works a lot with Juno Reactor, adding like sort of like <laughs> trance elements uh, to the scores, and then the third movie gets into like big sort of like like Wagner esque choirs. <laughs> yeah, it's and, like Wagner with Randy Newman uh, characteristics. <laughs> yeah, think about, but, think about Ride of the Valkyries, but also trance. You got a friend in me, but then you got a friend in me. And <laughs> but short people, Kronos Quartet, but you've got a friend in me. <laughs> right? But uh, but he, I, I was watching the end credits, and there you go, Don Davis, orchestrator. Wow. And um, I've seen uh, people, you know, just kind of like point out things like how I think like uh, certain tracks from the some of the, some of the scores like sound a bit more Don Davis-y. Like I think like uh, when the claw appears at the climax of Toy Story 3. Mm. Um, anyway, I just think that's really funny that uh, the guy who did the, the Matrix music is just working on the Toy Story movies. Yeah. My, my so music wild. rec is uh, listen to the song Pretty Boy by Randy Newman. I It's... He he has a whole other sound that I wasn't aware of really until fairly recently. And of course, thank you to Brian Hose for our theme song. Thank you to Emma Logson for our artwork. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Keanu Podcast. Uh, email us keanupodcast at gmail.com. Send over any like fan art or or memes that you've made related to Keanu because look, Matt needs material to put on the Instagram, so help him out. Uh, go over to our subreddit r slash thrillums to just talk about the episodes, stuff like that. Support us on patreon.com slash Patrick H. Willems. It goes to like the videos and the podcast, all that stuff. And we'll be back next week talking about a 
probably not-so-classic Keanu movie, The Night Before, from 1988, not to be confused with the fairly recent Seth Rogen Christmas film.